At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to The Destiny Show Podcast. Part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch, every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Show podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and we have an exciting episode planned for you tonight. Uh, first off, I want to welcome my partner in crime, Shadow Price. What's up, homie? What is up, Cornholio? Lots of news, lots of exciting stuff going on in the Destiny world and just in video games overall. And we do have a uh, special guest on the show as well, Anthrax455. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It is great to have you, bro. It's our pleasure. Thank you very much for being on the show tonight. He is a well-respected member of the Destiny community. I believe Titan. Uh, yep. Plays yep. on the Titan Xbox. Titan for life. Titan for <laughs> life. You know, I've been playing on my Titan lately, trying to get the one-eyed mask. I'm, yeah, still I've can't been grinding get it. on mine too. Either, man. Don't even get me still started on that. Get it. Oh. You know, that's, one that's, day. that's the grind right now, man. That's 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 the carrot. I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist. <laughs> I wonder if if it's going to be possible to get it before the nerf, because there there's yeah, that's my real worry now. There well, was... I mean, I I didn't see it though in their last twab, and you know, I didn't see that it was something that they were looking to uh, to adjust. Um, they called it out as something that they received feedback on a few months ago, but they didn't, they, as you say, they didn't mention anything about it in the 12. Right. They didn't mention anything about exotic changes in the 12, interestingly. Yeah, it was mainly subclasses and yeah. things of that nature. Yeah, yeah and we're going to dive dive into that in greater details. We're going to be talking about quite a few things today on the show. We're going to be talking about the TWAB. We're also going to dive into the sandbox changes that are planned for January 29th, there is also a uh, elephant in the room. Activision and Bungie split up, and now Bungie is officially an indie studio. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to discuss the implication that all of this has on the future of Destiny franchise, 
and what we can expect in the coming months and in the year ahead and beyond. Angie's a free woman. Yes. <laughs> and she's a sexy, sexy lady. So, yeah, so we have that. And also we have Iron Banner this week. Uh, it is now live. And by the time that everybody is listening to this show, you will be able to play Iron Banner. We have a sniper rifle and we also have a submachine gun that you can get this week. So we're going to dive into that. We're also going to be talking about some gaming news. There's a lot of, lot of stuff to really talk about today. And other than that, we're going to talk about lore and uh, finish up with a discussion about all of the weekly changes that are happening this week in your favorite game and our favorite game, Destiny. So first off, if you guys want to check out our show, we're available pretty much everywhere that podcasts can be found. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Stitcher and all of your favorite podcasting applications. So do make sure to check us out if you want to throw us some love, leave a review of the show, and we greatly appreciate your support. I also forgot to mention we have a website, www.destinyshow.com. This is why I have not slept. I've been working on the website all night pretty much yesterday. So finally, we are live. Check us out at destinyshow.com for all of your latest episodes where you can download full show. You can download the show notes. Also, we're going to be putting up some uh, interesting articles on there too in the coming weeks. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. Let's first off talk about the host. Let's introduce everybody to the show. And we can go over how everybody got started in the Destiny community. We can talk about our favorite Destiny moments and uh, what we're playing that is not Destiny. Shadow Price, do you want to go first? Yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, I started out in Destiny probably around 2014. I found out we talked about this game for a little bit. We saw it at E3. And... I was a big Bungie fan, and I was a big Halo fan and everything. Um, I was a little uncertain about this game, though, at first, because I was just like, the only Bungie game I ever played was Halo. Is this going to be just like Halo? Is it, is it going to take some knots from Halo and just do something different and be its own thing? And Well, didn't take long. We played the beta, got sucked right in to its... Uh, Love and game, you know, play and uh, gunplay. The gunplay is just, you know, second to none. Like that—that that is the one, the hook. That is the main great thing about Destiny. Special sauce. Yeah, yeah. Just how it feels to fire your weapon. Like Bungie nails it. They are the best in the biz at it. And that kind of sold me right away. And then loot. I—I'm not a huge Borderlands fan. I—I I like what they do in the games. And things like that. I like the, the loot. So that kind of got me hooked a little too because, like, some of these weapons that they, you know, they're, they were more special than what you saw in Borderlands. Like, these, these seemed more iconic the more and more I played. And I just, I, I kind of got hooked on that and everything. It's just like running around with my buds, like you and our friend Swirly at Fogoth with the green weapons. Uh, level like 10, 11, just getting completely destroyed. We were in there for two hours. It was just like a big a marathon session. It was sweaty. I remember that. Yeah. I'm never going to forget that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, that 
I, that's that's one of my top Destiny moments. But um, uh, I do have more. But I mean, just just the whole like the game, the game itself, <clears throat> signing out with your friends and and going through the strikes and going through PvP and going through the raids. Raids just I had never played anything like that before. That kind of really got me sold on this game. Like I, that's why I sunk five thousand hours into Destiny One. Yeah. Because it was just the solid gameplay. Now, if you remember, when we got started in Destiny, we weren't really planning on sticking around for a long time. We were actually pretty right. heavily invested in the Call of Duty series because we were right. just coming off of uh, Call of Duty Ghosts, and they were coming out with a little game called Advanced Warfare. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we were we pre-ordered Advanced Warfare. Ironically... It was coming out in October, but Destiny was out in September, right? If you pre-ordered the Advanced Warfare game... You I think it came out in November, actually. Oh, was it November? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was November. Uh, so we had a couple months to really get into Destiny, and we just never really left. We, we stuck around, and for me, I really loved the gunplay, I loved the gun mechanics, and I really loved the sandbox in Destiny. I think the, the Cosmodrome is to me, my favorite environment to this day. I think they did such an awesome job with it. I mean, I will never forget going to Skywatch and farming the Luke Luke Cave. cave. Like yeah. that, those were those were special, special moments that if you were a Guardian back from the very beginning, it, these are special moments you'll, you'll never forget. You'll never forget <laughs> the very first Queen's event where you could get that supremacy oh and it was so rare and so hard to get. And yeah. these were very special moments. And now, Anthrax, before I ask you this question, I do have to know, how did you get your name? I'm, I've been curious to ask you this the entire uh, It's time. one of those things, you know, when you, you know when you're 12 or 13 years old and you, you make Gamertag and you just make something up, you know, based on a band that you like? Uh, it, it was it was one of those, and it's, it's, it's kind of stuck since then, unfortunately. So now I'm a... a 36,000 gamer score or something. I can't really get rid of it. Yeah, no. That's, cool. that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Anthrax is a pretty pretty cool band. I have yeah, listened to them. Very cool. Right. Awesome. I was kind of hoping you would have a crazy story about it, but it's you know, <laughs> all, all good. Not as, not as exciting so, as you know. So, Anthrax, how did you get started in the Destiny community? How 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 did it all happen for you? So I, uh, a friend of mine, I actually missed uh, Destiny for the first year. Um, so a friend of mine uh, got me into Destiny. We did a game swap, and I lent him Fallout 4, and he lent me uh, Destiny. And uh, so I picked up Destiny uh, for myself, uh, Christmas of Taken King. So okay. the, the, the Christmas of the second year. And quickly just completely fell in love with the game and, you know, with, with, with the world, really. And uh, kind of haven't looked back since, really, you know, as, as, as we discussed before the show. And, you know, I've, I've plowed a lot of hours into, into this franchise and, you know, it, it kind of becomes it becomes a hobby more than a video game, you know, at a certain point. And um, it, yeah, a lot of love for the franchise, for sure. Awesome, awesome. And, you know, that's pretty impressive that you started out a year later and yet still you were able to accumulate... <laughs> 3,500 hours. Like that's yeah, that's dedication that. right there, bro. I that's that's sure. awesome. Very cool. Now, do you have a favorite Destiny moment? Uh, it's 
So I was thinking about this. I mean, in terms of community moments, I have to say Outbreak Prime for me. I thought that was, was literally really cool. amazing. You know, it was a that was a that was a global effort by, you know, thousands of guardians to 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 reach that point, and then it all culminated in in a great kind of Twitch stream battle. And you know, we were online that night when 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 it was all kind of unraveled, and we spent eight nine hours doing about four Wrath of the Machines so that we could all get Outbreak Prime before we went to bed. You know, that was a really that was a really special moment. But for me now, actually, in Destiny 2, it has to be the Vault Encounter of uh, of Last Wish and that moment uh, on the on the third phase. It's very specific. It's that moment on the third phase of the Vault Encounter where uh, the music kicks in. And music is epic. Yeah, yeah, and that just it just there's there's nothing quite like the feeling of that that third that third round of that Vault Encounter. I don't think in terms of especially if you you're running plates and carrying keys, it's, it's an incredible moment. Um, we did we did a Petra's run for the first time a few weeks ago and that was that was incredible to get that done. That was, that cool. was really. That was you didn't great. get that guitar glitch. I didn't know. I mean, we yeah we got guitar out once. We spent about five hours, did four attempts, and uh, yeah we got there in the end, man. We got there awesome. in the end. Awesome. They are planning on fixing it in March, I believe. So yes, stay tuned. They are. So yeah. if you're yeah, having trouble getting Petra's run, you might be able to get it then. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations. That that's pretty that's cool. cool. Do you have? Do you happen to have a favorite raid in Destiny? Yeah, so Wrath the Machine for me, but but only just. I love Last Wish to pieces. It's it's yeah, it's one of my favorite pieces of content. They've it's ever a done. gorgeous raid. Last it is. It, yeah. It's a. It's just an exposition of everything they've learned over the past three years in terms of raids and everything as well. You know, it's it, it is. It's an incredible piece of design. Yeah. Um, but Wrath the Machine for me, uh, I met some of the some of the guys that I still play with regularly through LFG and on Last Wish, and that was when I really kind of kind of sort of settled into and kind of started to become a part of a community in in the game. And, and we did 60, 70 clears. I still never drop that ship, but oh <laughs> man, now Phoenix, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrath is Wrath is a very cool raid. Like so, that is that is a cool raid. It reminds yeah, again, me again the music. Music yeah. in the final encounter, man. You know, just makes yeah, it. yeah. They, they have some iconic music in, in yeah, the raids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wrath of the Machine was a lot of fun. I remember when we attempted the challenge mode for the first time. That was <laughs> oh, that was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta stand where? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to jump. And then slam? I gotta go where? Yeah, who did, yeah, who, yeah. It's like you know who didn't slam too. Exactly. I think I love the the art design in the raids. I think they do an incredible job during every single raid they come out with. Even the raid layers that came out, I think they did an excellent job with with the sandbox. And it's an experience that I can't really get in any other game. I haven't yet no. found another game that can give me anything. I never played really WoW. I've heard that that's pretty close. The, the kind of the raid, the, the way the raids work in WoW. But yeah, it's it's it's. it's but as a first-person shooter, you're not going to yeah. find it like no, for else, sure. really. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of the unique, the, the unique kind of the reason we all play Destiny, right? That yeah, and and of... I think it's very cool because I think Destiny is finally maturing as a franchise where they're they're finding themselves and who they are as a yeah. As a game, I think they know and, what they they know what they want the game to be now. Yeah, and, and that's it's really exciting to see what they do in the future, especially with the creative freedom that they have now. Uh, we are going to talk a lot more about this uh, Activision thing 
so uh, we'll we'll dive right into it. But uh, do you have a favorite strike or a favorite crucible map? Well, a favorite strike for me uh, would be the Sunless Cell from Destiny One. I just oh yeah, like the, the, I like the, cool. The Dark Blade. I like yeah. cool. I like Absolutely. cool. Yeah, that's a cool one. Yeah. Um, and favorite crucible map uh, is uh, Bannerfall for me. Um, Ooh, it's just, it's like I do like I do like sniping on Bannerfall. I will agree on that. I will agree yeah. on the Bannerfall for sure. That's that's my favorite Crucible map as well. Yeah, my, so, my favorite is Twilight Gap. That's my. Oh favorite. yeah, another iconic map. That was the uh, first time I ever went flawless in Trials was on Twilight Gap. Shadow, what is the name of that first map that that came out during the demo? It's that, that would that would be called uh, First Light. First Light, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that map, man. Uh, the big, this like second biggest map, like ever. Like, and then they had Bastion, like, and then Sky, well, Sky Shock. Those were the three big maps. Yes, I remember you that. Yes. Yeah. And then good old Cathedral Dusk too. They came in during the uh, during the uh, what was it? The um... Cathedral of Dusk was literally just two lanes. That's all that map was. Yeah. Two... <laughs> yeah, that, every time we got that map, like, oh man, this map, like playing Rift on that map was just oh, yeah. torture. <laughs> Definitely. Now, um, Shadow Price, as far as for you, what's what's your favorite raid? And I kind of know it, but it's Vogue. It's yeah. Vaulted Glass. I can't help it. I'm I'm a sucker for the uh, classics. That one just it, it it has a special part, special like place for me. Like, and that leads me to my favorite Destiny moment. That's just. When I beat Vault of Glass, like, and got the, um, actually got the helmet to drop from, um, when I was Forever 29 for, in, for about two months until <laughs> I finally got the helmet to drop. I was like, yeah, and now I get the 30 once I level it up with the Senate shards. It took like another day or two. To, and that's when you had to level things up was like, you had to level your gear up with the Senate shards. And everything. you actually had to wear that gear. And you it were was, invested. It, it was a grind on top of a grind on top of a grind. I remember, but we loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Well, I feel like that's when you had more investment in the game and there was real purpose to grinding out because you needed all those materials in order to level up your character. So you had to keep running those raids multiple times. Yeah, it's um, a beautiful agony. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful disaster. <laughs> uh, what about a strike? Shadow, I'm, I I know what your favorite strike is, but what is your favorite strike? The Nexus. The Nexus. Like I I just I love the music. Like I am I the Vex music is like my favorite. I like love like the Vex music. And my second favorite experience in the strike is during the um the Archon Priest. Um, that strike when you have to shoot the um hobgoblins, you you snipe the hobgoblins. Remember when we used to jump on the on the catch, the fallen catch. And shoot them from there, and the music that played sounded like just like Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> like so, but my favorite is the Nexus. Like it's got my favorite music. And uh, I was the next book player, so I didn't have much time to to play around with that strike before before we got D three. I think it was only about what, four. Right. Months. Yeah, it wasn't relevant at the time. Like, yeah. Uh, they brought it back during, I believe, uh, Age of Triumph, in D one. Um, but uh, yeah, that's just that's my favorite strike. I have the most memories from that strike. Venus is my favorite location. I love Venus. I love like the the, the greenery and like you could see the rain falling and everything, and then the skybox. 
Like, I love Venus, and then Cosmodrome is my second um, favorite, too. Very so. cool. Now, for me, well, first, how I got started in Destiny, I was actually because of Shadow Price. Really, it really was because we both kind of got each other hyped. About look, it. if it wasn't for Shadow Price, then I would not be introduced to the Halo universe, right? My first Halo game was actually Halo Reach, and I loved it. We bought it on the same day. I remember, we both went to Walmart and we picked up a copy of that game. And since we started playing it, we we couldn't put it down. And I I had the greatest experience playing firefights and crucible and well they didn't call it crucible back then they called just multiplayer and that was an incredible time for me and i really loved that game so much and then when bungie made destiny i was curious about it and then we played the beta back in july of 2014 and i was pretty sold on it uh, maybe maybe not so much because of the crucible aspect of it because I thought it was okay. I wasn't a big fan of First Light. I'm still not. <laughs> I do not like that map. A quiet taste. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that map. However, I like it because I'm a sniper. So. <laughs> have you guys ever played uh, Zombies and Black Ops? Snipers don't wear uh, diapers. Yeah, I put a lot of time into uh, Black Ops 1 and Black Ops 2. I think there's a lot. Dude, I love oh, Black yeah. Ops 2. I played so much zombies. In that and game. that's another so, thing that kind of got us in was because we came from Call of Duty and that's an Activision like brand series. So yeah. Activision and Bungie making a game, you know, we were kind of on board and everything. Um, and you guys cho- chose the perfect time to migrate across because the Call of Duty's kind of get started getting worse pretty much sequentially after that. Oh yeah, we found that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ma- many times over and you know every time I tell myself I'm not going to buy another Call of Duty game I'm not going to do it and what do I do? This I one's going to be the one man. this is going to be the one that will make it good again <laughs> my my shortest uh, gameplay in Call of Duty was probably with World War 2 I played for like 15 minutes and then I said what is this? I, I just couldn't get into it because the guns didn't feel good for me anyways i mean these are all world war ii guns so you can you have to set your expectations appropriately but i couldn't get into it and with destiny being what it was it it always brought me back no matter what like even when we switched consoles right we were gonna pick up another game and try to play something different within three days we were at gamestop picking up a copy of destiny for playstation remember that shadow i was giving my hurts points Okay. That was my uh, last game. I was able to get my Hertz points. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I had to uh, pay some money for it, but it's okay. It was well worth it, and I've had some of my greatest gaming moments in Destiny. So that's how I got started. I got started because of Halo Reach, and I was curious about Destiny, and after having played the beta, I was kind of hooked on the shooting mechanics and the world design and the sandbox and everything about it felt right and felt so good and believe it or not i actually enjoyed the story in destiny i know most people didn't i loved it i i I think the story was really engaging i love dinklage i was i was a huge dinklage fan like i love dinklage as develops they're in the walls See, I missed out on the whole Dinklebot thing. I I know I know Ghost as Nolan North. I know I know people find that weird. 
I, I, I never, never heard of it. Nolan North has done a really good job, though. I will have to say that. I have to commend Nolan North on stepping in. He's done a remarkable yes. I think the writing for Ghost is is getting worse, unfortunately. It's it's, it's kind of, or at least in in Destiny Two, I feel it's 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 got a lot more sort of childlike and. Uh, yeah. yeah, hoping they can bring that back in though when we talk. Yeah, about Forsaken it. had a darker edge to it, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to tell a quick story. Corn, um, what what happened when you first got Destiny? Um, oh, I want to tell man. this brief story. I... <laughs> I, I bought my copy of Destiny from Kmart and didn't work out well. I was supposed to get it on release day. didn't happen. I didn't get it for like a whole week, I, I want to say. It took a whole yeah. week for me to get it. So we missed out on quite a bit, entire weeks of gameplay. And, and ironically, when Zer was selling the Galarhorn, I just didn't have enough legendary shards to pick that up you so i had strange to come. coins was it called? oh strange coins i'm sorry yeah strange from d1 coins. to strange coin. right. yeah no either did i and i told myself i was like okay well i'm gonna wait too i'm not gonna jump in this until you get it because you know this is about experiencing the game together so what did we do we played um we played ghosts for the week until uh until we, you got your copy oh yeah okay i remember that I remember that. Yeah. It's coming back to me. It's been a while. It's been like, what, five years now? It's hard uh, to who believe. wants to waste their exotic slot on a heavy weapon anyway, am I right? <laughs> or so we thought. Yeah, once we realized what Gallowhorn was. <laughs> so now, uh, real quick, before we move on to the next subject, I, I do want to uh, bring up my favorite moment in Destiny was actually being the Vault of Glass because it was probably one of the most challenging experiences I had to go through in the game it was so much fun and the the joy and fulfillment that i had when i actually beat it it was it was pretty amazing and i think i got the vision of confluence which was my favorite gun in d1 for the longest time i used that scout rifle like religiously and uh i i loved it i loved that that entire raid i mean obviously that is my favorite raid of all time even to this day I think that they did such an amazing job with the entire environment and it felt like it was like a journey that you're going through with all of your friends and in such a way that we've never really experienced before. It was so, dark and mysterious and you know cerebral and everything all at the same time. Yeah. You guys are making me want to go and do a vault of glass. Oh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're definitely doing that one day for sure. We got to do that sometime soon. Uh, Crucible map, Bannerfall, I agree. That's my favorite uh, strike-wise. I would say the Nexus is my favorite strike. It's, too, huh? it's between Nexus and I would say Sepix. Yep, Sepix. I also really liked Omnigal. Having farmed it so many times, I've grown to yes, really well. love that strike. So Omnigal is definitely in my top three. Exotics? It's uh, interesting. It would either have to be Gallarhorn or... Icebreaker is mine. Icebreaker, yeah. Between Icebreaker and Gallarhorn. Before I got the Gallarhorn, I was using the Icebreaker pretty much religiously. Eh, I would probably say Icebreaker for me. <clears throat> before they nerfed yeah. it. Before the nerf. Uh, Icebreaker was really good. It was really good. And uh, Shadow Price, what's your favorite legendary in the game? Hmm, I wonder. Uh, you got a favorite? <laughs> the answer would be... Shadow Price? 
<laughs> That's my favorite. I would have never guessed. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah, I just had so much, so many good memories with that gun, so much connection with that gun. I ran through log in the beginning with that gun. That was <clears throat> because Dr. Nope was not very good. It was a cool-looking gun and everything, but it wasn't very good. So uh, I traded that in for, you know, for a shadow price. And I just completely just, like, I loved everything about that gun. I don't know what it was. It was just, it was a very basic, minimalistic kind of weapon, but it just, it suited me so well. And I just have so many good memories with it. I know, an auto rifle, my favorite. That's strange when I love hand cannons. But, yeah, that's my favorite gun. Yeah, I would say for me it would be between... Fatebringer and Vision of Confluence because I, I love both of those weapons. Those were my favorites in the oh, game yeah. by far. I've had such a good time with those. Before. And then I got the Grasp of Malak with the God Roll and oh man, that was that was fun. Yeah, shoutouts to my uh, LBR too. Actually. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I used to love that gun. Yeah. Anthrax, what about you, bud? Uh, Favorite exotic and legendary. So, so my favorite exotic, uh, it's, it's got to be the chaperone. Ooh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I um, I spent almost all of my Crucible playtime uh, on my Titan, kind of emulating Destiny Fun Police and the, the the build that he that he runs. Um, and yeah, man, I <laughs> just I love the chaperone to pieces. There's something so so just beautiful about seeing that yellow number come up and getting the headshot on the chaperone. Just, just, you just feel... It's a very it's incredible weapon. It's a very skilled weapon, too. Just to yeah, it's got a high skill gap to it, but it, it, yeah. you know, it rewards a skilled hand, for sure. And when you, once, you, once you get into the swing of it, it's like No Land Beyond as well. That was, that was the same for me. Once you get into the swing of those yes. weapons, they, just, they feel amazing. Absolutely. Um, as for legendaries, um, actually, <laughs> so I dropped a Kindled Orchid uh, probably three weeks ago. And I already have like 3,000 kills on it. Um, it's, oh, it's, amazing. Wow. It is, it is the nicest like single legendary weapon drop in terms of a roll I've ever dropped in, in, in the franchise. So it has it has drop mag surrounded rampage and I put a surrounded spec mod on it and it's got a reload speed masterwork. Nice. Oh, I love it so much. It is. It's Does the surrounded um, help? I, I would help more in PVE, I guess, than PVP. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It doesn't, it doesn't proc off in in, in P, You know, it's still a decent weapon in PVP, but it's it's definitely a PVE weapon. But when right. you, when you've got surrounded procced with the surrounded spec mods and three stacks of rampage, a headshot, oh a headshot is something like half a whisper shot. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's That's honestly, crazy. That's awesome. So That's a really yeah. cool build. That's awesome. Keep an eye out for that roll if you if you get. I, I have one, I think, with Rampage and Surrounded. Oh. I don't, I don't know if I have Drop Mag on it though. Give it a try. Yeah. I, I kind of wish I used more of the Iron Banner weapons. I, I'll be honest, I really haven't used many of them in D2. I kind of just lost interest. Well, now I'm using Blast Furnace, but before that, what was I using before Blast Furnace? I was using the Better Devils. I've been definitely very much a hand cannon guy. Uh, when it comes to uh, D2, yeah, me too, man. Even I, I mean, I play console, and I, you know, I still, I still main hand cannons. It's just, it, it's, it's the gun feel for me, and the, you know, the player fantasy. It's, it, it all kind of lines up with the stuff that I like in other video games. So, hand cannons and pulse rifles, yeah. And it works mm. so well, man. I, I can't believe to tell you 
how big of a difference it made when I switched from like a pulse rifle to a uh, midnight cool during the Leviathan mm -hmm. raid on Prestige, <laughs> and it was it was pretty tough when you played on hard mode when we were under leveled. And once I put on that midnight cool man, everything changed in my life. That thing it almost it it almost gets its own headshots. You almost don't even need to need to ads. It it like it just finds heads. It's insane. It's a lovely weapon. Yeah, and it's it's so much fun on PC. Yeah, Batman. So much fun. <laughs> so now that we got a chance to get to know the hosts, let's move on to this week at Bungie. And I wanted to try something different and try to give the weekly update our review between one to five stars. So at the end of the uh, weekly update, we're going to talk about our thoughts on it and what rating we would give it. First up, let's talk about The Forge. Naomi Labs came out, um, I want to say two weeks ago? It was last week. It was last week, last week. And yeah. it was kind of a rocky uh, a rocky launch, I would say. Um, Bungie, say that again. Bungie went on to say that they're unlocking the fourth forge, but not in the way that we intended. They stated, uh, puzzles are fun, but not when they gate content that you were expecting to play. We're flexible enough to change a plan when it's not playing out as we had hoped. So we decided to give annual pass holders access to the Burguzia Forge. Yeah, I could tell that was, uh, that was a decision they had to make, because... There's literally a you know step in your in the quest that once you you get the last key, you have to do that week, otherwise you're locked out for three weeks. Yep. Yeah, because we had to do the Shattered Throne mission, and before the Shattered Throne mission, you actually had to uh, get a specific rare, rare bounty, which rare I, black I still bounty. have not gotten it. I, I've been grinding for like an entire week on two characters, still didn't get it. Hopefully in three weeks I'll be able to get it. But uh, to let the audience know what happened, the Niobe Labs opened up, and I was there. I was one of the first people to start playing it. I started out at noontime, and you know it was just a normal, normal day. We thought we were just going to beat it in a couple hours, and as we're playing it, we were we couldn't figure out how to continue the, the steps. So then we went on. Twitch, and we went on. Uh, who was it? Was it Broman? I believe it was Broman, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Say no to rage. That was. Uh, they were doing a a live stream, and we went on there to see how they were progressing, and they weren't really getting further in the puzzle. And as, as the night went on, nobody was making much progress. And yeah. after about I tuned in the glad, glad stream, like glad he was another one who was who was doing that. Glad and Daphne, when they both hit that wall at wave six, it was yeah. it just started getting brutal really quickly. Just watching them, you know, they were getting tired by then as well. And it, there's this effect that happens in streams as well, where so many people are shouting out the first idea that comes into their head that you know, you know good ideas almost get lost. And yeah. uh, but the, the nature of the forge as well, because there were no checkpoints, which I feel was a, a an odd design decision. Um, 
allowed for basically you, you you would have maybe one or two attempts at cracking the puzzle and then you would have to run a 20 30 minute encounter again to get back to the point where you were yeah. last time and i think bungie intended to make it feel like an end game activity to make it more challenging but in the process they kind of made it tedious and just kind of cruel to the players so and after i think it's like yeah, the puzzle solution two and a half days. Very After two and a half days, people could not figure out how to finish it. They got to step six, but once they got there, they hit a brick wall. Uh, Bungie did tweet out that there was some kind of a glitch in the game that prevented the players from seeing a clue that would tell you how to progress in the, in the step. And because of that omission people really weren't able to complete it and the first three days were a bit sour in the game. Yeah, it seemed like the rewards in it uh, match up too with uh, the difficulty. I believe the rewards all you got was a emblem and a ghost shell. Yeah. And that's that's not respecting people's times, I feel like. No. I think, uh, I, think I, I would have like definitely gave some more incentive for doing that. And just how abstract, how could anybody figure this stuff out? Like, it's just, I just don't understand. I was looking at it, like, having a hard time even deciphering myself. Like, it's, I just, I don't get it. There's a lot of smart people out there. But even, this even stumped the smart people. Because, like, again, how would they have been able to know this? Like, based on so many different variables in there and everything. Like... I feel if they would have separated the Niobe Labs from the Burguzia Forge, it would have been a much better launch for them, and I think people would not be as upset about this. Uh, but the way they released it, I don't fully agree with that, because essentially you played the Niobe Labs, which was like on a difficulty level of 11, only to unlock an activity that was a difficulty level of maybe two or three. Yeah. And who was who was the boss during the Burguzia Forge? It was a wait for it, wait for it. It was a fallen walker. Your favorite. <laughs> How many fallen walkers have we fought over the course of content release after content release after DLC in Destiny One and Two? They, they got to get a little bit more creative and make things more fun. Think about what they did with the Forsaken expansion and the bosses we got to fight during the, the adventures as we progressed through the story. That was unique. That was different. And I'd love to see more of that. And I wish they, they did more of that with this Forge where the bosses felt a little bit more different and special. Whereas here, they kind of feel a bit samey. Agreed. And to be fair, they, they they called that out. It's nice to see them calling this out in the twelve and saying, you know, recognizing what what the community has recognized as as the issue with this whole release, which was that they they gated content that had been advertised and as a result paid for by the community behind something that was supposed to be a kind of secret puzzle. It just it just seemed completely backwards. It, if if they'd have had Bagusia Forge on the roadmap and released Bagusia Forger reset, and then people had stumbled across this secret puzzle for Niobe's Torment, 
I think it would have been a complete flip. It would have been it would have been entirely the opposite situation. The community what it would have got behind it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with absolutely. that. Absolutely. And how about how about this? Just as an idea, what if you had to farm the Bergusia Forge in order to unlock the Niobe Labs, and you had to farm it a, a bunch of times, and then once you do that, you unlock this really challenging activity, and at the end of it, maybe you could have gotten the Isagami's Burden, for example. That would have been a cool drop for them to put behind Niobe Labs, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think, as as you said, I think once they took the incentive of unlocking the forge for everyone else by completing the world's first away, there there was really almost no reason apart from pride for anyone to to grind it out and try and work it out. Which is why we saw, you know, after 30 hours they release Bagusia Forge, and then two days later we still hadn't completed Niobe's Torment. You know, there's a reason for that. The reason for that is that not many people were trying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people had to be spent. Like, poor Glad. Like, I could just see how, like, exhausted he was. Like, it's like, I don't know how anybody can do that for that long without the body just shutting down. <laughs> Agreed. And, at the, you know, towards the end, he was, it was, it was tragic to watch because there are players who completed their Bogusia frames for that week. He's, he's there going, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go in there until we've beaten him. I'm not, you know, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Trooper, and yeah. got to respect that. You know, he's he's a, he's a very dedicated player in this community. Definitely deserving of the world's first that he has achieved in this game. Uh, so yeah, major props to Glad for uh, sticking with it. Great. Um, and now that the the storm has passed, and we've played the Bergusia Forge, we've gotten to check out the Niobe Labs. What do you guys think of this activity? Do you guys think that it lived up to your expectations as far as what we wanted from this content drop, or did it kind of miss the mark? It, it was kind of mad for me. I mean, just because of the whole, like, Niobe torment thing, you know, it's just, it's it just, like I said, the awards didn't seem to match up. It's uh, It was just kind of, you know, kind of thrown together like kind of sloppily and everything and um it it yeah it just it just missed the mark it seemed like and it just seemed like it was very very too too tedious and just too much of a mind like cruncher to try to figure out those puzzles it just it just who on earth can figure them out like i, I still don't know yeah, Jeez. even when even when someone explains it to you, the, the Wave Seven puzzle, even when someone explains it to you, it still doesn't make any sense. You know that. Yeah. It's, it's that level of complexity. It would have been nice for them to, if they could have incorporated lore in in with it. You know, things that would make sense in in the lore, why we were in the Niobe Labs in the first place, like having Ada give us clues and stuff, maybe while or we're a in there. Code in the scorecard, the Black Armory. That would be cool. Yeah. Just more context, more 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 context would have been, you know, better. Agreed. It didn't like. it didn't feel particularly meaningful because, because there wasn't much content in it, as you say. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I think it, certainly Niobe's torment was a mistake. They've recognised that that it was a mistake. I think you know, it, it was it was an intro. I'm, I'm glad in a way. I'm glad they tried it, and you know, I'm, I'm glad that they they kind of they, they won't you know they know they won't do that again. They, you know, they've learned from the experience. And that's good. Um, I, I, I mean, the Bagusia Forge is is just another forge, right? It's, it's it's the same as the rest of them to a certain extent. But what's really great about the Bagusia Forge 
is that it drops Jotun. Um, so so late last night, I dropped my dropped my Jotun on my tenth frame, I think. Oh, um, nice! Oh, oh my god, cool. that thing is. How is it? It's like the delete button for everything in the game. It's, Do you feel like Mega Man charging up the oh, Mega Buster? Honestly, man, I, I really do. I really do. It, it just erases things from existence. I, I hadn't realized it leaves little sunspots uh, after it hits things that burn for like five or six seconds as well. It's it's insane. It's a one-shot in PvP. It's insane. I love so, it to pieces. Sounds like we got some grinding to do later, Corn. For sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely try for it because it, 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 will, it will change your perception of Black Armory, honestly. Yeah. And I, I do want to point out some of the things that I actually do enjoy about the Black Armory and the Forges. I do like the fact that you can farm the activity and that you can do so without having to gather your own fire team. If you want to go in solo, it's going to queue you in with random people and you can go ahead and farm whatever you want. They made it into an activity that is farmable. Uh, the only thing is, you have to keep going back to Ada 1. Back to Ada, yeah. Please, please change that. Took the words that. right out of my mouth. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> And that's the kind of thing that if, if they'd have if they'd have run kind of extensive player test cycles, you, um, you, would, so yeah, you would think. So yeah, so I don't like the aspect of having to go back to Ada One, but otherwise, for a for an activity that you can keep grinding out to get the drops, like it's it's fun, and also the weapons do feel pretty awesome. The blast furnace with with certain perks are really really good. I have one with rampage and outlaw very nice and uh, I've been using it almost exclusively it's it's a lot of fun really really good pulse and the hammerhead is a really nice machine gun that I've been using quite a bit as well and I can't wait to get uh, weapons like <clears throat> cough cough Luminarch <laughs> that I still can't get to drop and it's funny every single week I would go into the forge and on my first attempt Somebody else gets the Lomonarch, and I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. It's like it's like trying to get the Thousand Voices for me. I think uh, the second year of Destiny 2 has not been very rewarding for me in that, in that respect. But I do enjoy Forges in general. So any final thoughts on the Forge and the uh, Anobi Labs? Should we touch on Izanagi's briefly? Yeah, let's uh, do did, that. did either of you guys finish the Izanagi's quest? Uh, yes, I did. I did nice. actually. What are your night. thoughts, man? I, I did as well. I, I, yeah, it's it's an interesting weapon for sure. Yeah, it is. The fact that you can charge, you know, your shots, you could have up to four times the damage mm -hmm. in one bullet, is pretty cool. It's nice to be able to like one shot a guardian in the crucible, like by just hitting him in like the body or the leg or something. It kind of yes. reminds me of the final round perk in D1 <laughs> on yeah, every spear. Clips. <laughs> Yeah, um, I haven't used it much in PVE, to tell you the truth. I've used it mostly in PvP. It's I've gotten a, a collateral kill with it, actually, in PvP. Okay. And it was kind of one of those moments where I hopped out of my chair, and I was just like, <laughs> yes, it was awesome. Fantastic. So, a clanmate of mine was using it at, uh, at Scourge, uh, Insurrection Prime Phase 2 and Scourge of the Past today, instead of Whisper. And uh, he was he was getting 999999 shots. Uh, with the with the right buffs matched up, like oh, like wow. max damage shots. Yeah, it's got a lot of potential. Yeah. So when you charge the four rounds, like if you have like more than four in it, like 
it doesn't take all your rounds, right? It just takes the four, so you can charge up another like more rounds. Yes. After you play them up. Yeah, that is how it works. And then it interacts okay. interestingly with the lunar rift. So 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 if you charge if you charge all four rounds into one and get the time four rounds, it then reloads three back into the mag straight away. Oh, oh cool. So okay. Get the second charge round of three off straight away. Nice. Yeah, I mean it, it it's a cool weapon. Um, it's um uh, it's unique because of its uh. The perks that it has on it and things like yeah, that. It also looks amazing. Yeah. The only thing I wish, I wish it had snapshot. <laughs> I just wish it had snapshot. Yeah, That's no. all. That's my only gripe about the weapon. I have no opinion on the weapon yet because I have not gotten it, but when I do, I'll definitely make sure to chime in with some more insight on my thoughts. Yeah. Like the quest was fun as well. I thought the quest on all was, was a good quest. And I, I want to. I, I have one more thing about the forge. Um, since uh, Bungie created a thing called Forge, um, I would like to see actual Forge in the game. You know, like uh, remember the Forge in Halo where you could create your own maps and things like that. Well, let's see. They don't have the influence of Activision anymore. And like I said, Bungie created Forge. Um, I don't know. Maybe they could call it something else because they obviously can't call it Forge because Halo is still. Like a Microsoft product, uh, 343. Maybe they can call it something else, but maybe it's something they can bring into the game. Yeah, I think that's a really cool idea. I don't necessarily see them doing anything like this until Destiny 3. Yeah. If we do get a Destiny 3, which we will talk about that also uh, in just a little bit. But I think it's a great idea. I don't know if they would have the resources to do it right now, especially with the larger responsibility they have to publish their own game and mind you we don't know if they're going to be shopping around for a new publisher that very well may be and but uh yeah it's it's interesting to see where where they take the game moving forward without the influence of activision um so let's move on and talk about the next item on this week at bungie and that has to do with sandbox changes incoming with update 2.1.4 that will be released on January 29th. And they have quite a few things that they're going to be doing. They talked mostly about changes that will be happening to super abilities of uh, characters. Not so much anything else. No other weapon tuning changes or anything like that was mentioned in this update go through the list of changes that will be taking place on January 29th and then we'll talk about them give our thoughts whether we think these changes will benefit the Destiny community as a whole or if they're going to have to go back and do some retuning um, first up they mention fresh changes to most supers and subclass goodies will be taking place uh, more specifically damage increase for golden gun Shadow Shot, Arc Strider, or Arc Staff, excuse me, Burning Maul, Hammer of Soul, Fist of Havoc, Sentinel Shield, Nova Bomb, and Daybreak. They did mention a couple of decreases in damage to Nova Warp and Blade Barrage. Yeah. Um, that lines up. Yep. Good. For for the hunter, we have Golden Gun. Six shooter kills return a bullet. Practice makes perfect super regen increased. Four blade barrage damage now heavily weighed on delayed explosion. 
and it deals self-damage if knives explode too close. There is also a bug fix where knives track allies, which is interesting. I haven't noticed that one. Yeah, and, they kind of do. They huh. kind of do. Moving on to Night Stalker, we have... Oh, wow, I'm going to butcher this one. Mobius Quiver. That's it. Was it Mobius Quiver? Ah, I got yeah. it. Okay. Entire yeah. damage bonus applied on first hit. Increased tether radius and lifetime. Easier to fire successive tethers. It would be um, nice if Mobius Quiver was, you know, worth using. Spectral Blades. Damage resistance and stealth decreased. And duration of the super while invisible is decreased. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think the tether could be better. It'd be nice if you, when you shot somebody, it actually killed them with the tether. You know, when you like hit them, and it actually because that's what it did in D <laughs> one and everything. So that would um, be. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think that the change to spectral is is a good one. I think that uh, it doesn't sound to me like they're over nerfing it or throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, it just, especially with Gwizm Vest, it, it's just, it's very strong, you know? It's very strong and a lot of people are using it. It's becoming very dominant in PvP. And I think yeah. as much as it's, it, it's, you know, it's not necessarily that they feel this stuff is broken. I think, I think they're just well aware that we need things to be shaken up because it's getting quite stale. Yeah, and I think their reasoning behind uh, nerfing spectral blades is probably to balance crucible a bit more the way you get killed is very cheaply because you don't even see the enemy in front of you and they can kill you and that's not cool it's it's not or if they're coming up from behind you you get this like this void like shows up on your screen all of a sudden you're dead yeah like you don't have time yeah, to you react. don't you don't even have a chance the snake a little snake of a blade and you're dead yeah so I, I don't have a problem with that at all. So let's uh, move on to Arc Strider. Super damage heavily weighed towards the heavy palm strike attack. Lethal current bonus damage increased. Okay, now for Titan, we have Sunbreaker, Sunspot. Double damage burn on enemies. For Sun Warrior, we have buff length increase from 3 seconds to 5 seconds. Increased all outgoing damage. For Burning Mal, we have Slam Radius has been reduced and Slam Fire Tornado improved homing. Wow, that thing homed in pretty good before. Like, I get killed by that thing easily all the time, so... Yeah, yeah I think very exciting. Yeah. Mm. Very exciting for PvE as well, because I feel like Burning Mal has a lot of potential in PvE if, if they... They tune it slightly. One of the main problems with that subclass is, in PvE certainly is that it tends to launch bosses into the air, and then you spend your entire super waiting for them to land. <laughs> um, so yeah, if they if, if if they could tweak that down at the same time, that would be amazing. I, I'm, I'm a Sunbreaker main, but I, I spend almost all my time on Code of the Fireforge because that melting point is just so invaluable. And you that's know, true. So melting point is 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 one of the best things you can have. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, but all all these changes look look great. You know, it's, it'll it'll be nice to move away and try some of the other hammer trees for for a change. Yeah, I feel like everyone just uses Fireforge almost all the time. So. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And uh, then we have Striker class, 
uh, terminal velocity, three tiers of hang time, amount of hang time for each tier reworked. Each tier hang time causes four damaging shocks instead of three, and damage for a hang time bonus increases significantly. So let me get this straight. So the higher you're up there in the air when you do that slam, the more damage you're going to cause? Yep, yep. Oh, interesting. This is a really cool change. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, you're going to see some really interesting plays in Crucible and things, and some people do. People are going to be leaping off a cliff when they exactly. do their fist attack. Exactly. Yeah, it's very exciting. Also, the, the, the second half of this change, you know, that which is even more shocking in a way... The fact that they've reduced the light shoulder attack cost by 85% is just unbelievable. You're going to get about 15 of those before your super runs out. Wow. Be insane. So that's during the super, right? It's, this is the, the, the shoulder charge that you get whilst the super's active, yeah. So they've decreased the amount oh, of super energy yeah. for, that it costs yeah, to use for, the shoulder charge. For trample, it's, it states, light shoulder attack cost reduced 85%. Trample now trigger every 0.5 seconds, and it's up from one second. So it's that's going to be crazy. That's going to oh, be crazy in PvP and everything too. Like that you, means your super is going to last longer because it's taking less energy to shoulder attack. And a lot of people do the shoulder attack when they're going uh, to get to move around faster to get to other people to uh, to, to kill them. Yeah, for sure. You know what else is interesting? I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think that that counts as a melee, that, that, that trample shoulder charge, which means that presumably it procs insurmountable skull form. So every kill that you get will, will, will get, give you health back as well. Uh, I'll be running that too then, because I don't have uh, the mask yet. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to play with the Titan class with this uh, new update. And then uh, finally for Titan, they talk about Sentinel, where super damage more heavily weighed on heavily shield charged attack. I wonder uh, what the purpose of that change is. I feel like, do you think maybe, because obviously Sentinel's got famously bad hit detection, I wonder if, I wonder if the heavy charge attack has a higher sort of chance of, of hitting what you're, what you're aiming at. That's that sounds yeah. It sounds like they're increasing the hit detection. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's interesting. I'd be interested to see how that plays in practice. Yeah. And uh, moving on to Warlock, we have the Dawnblade super duration increased for Voidwalker, Cataclysm increased detonation radius, cluster damage increased, improved cluster bomb homing, clusters no longer detonate one another. Uh, with Vortex, we have Linger damage increased significantly. For Nova Warp, slower movement while charging. Charging costs more energy and duration reduced. Damage resistance reduced slightly. And PvP, the charge detonation no longer able to one-shot a player in their super. And that was their end goal with that change. And then finally, we have for Stormcaller and Stormtrance, we have increased number of targets for Chain Lightning by one. Didn't you guys feel like that Stormtrance change was a little weak? I feel like yeah. Stormtrance is in a really weak spot in PvE at the moment, and what it really needs is just a flat damage buff. Yeah. In PvE specifically. And why did they increase the duration of the Dawnblade? <laughs> Does that thing last a long time? It One of the trees lasts for like a million years, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you're getting kills, the more kills you get, like, the, the longer it lasts, basically. Yeah. Like, 
It's an so, interesting one. Yeah, I agree with him about that Storm Trance one. Um, I'm going to be interested in, yeah, that uh, Titan, the new Striker Titan, um, mm -hmm. some of those changes there, and actually the Hunter Golden Gun. Six shooters kills return a bullet. You, you get a bullet back when you get a kill with it, like right. a six shooter. So, like, you, if you're getting, like, you're lining up kills, like in PvE, that means that super can last a while if there's a bunch of enemies in front of you and you're it getting does. kills. Although I was thinking today, it, they haven't actually mentioned whether or not the, the length of time that you have to fire all of your shots will increase according to the amount of extra shots that you get. Right. So, so theoretically, you could end up with, say, the ability to fire 10 rounds. But you've, got yeah. to, you've still got to do that in, like, six seconds, you know? Right, yeah, they, that's right. They haven't talked about the duration. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to change that a little bit, maybe move it up a little bit. Interesting that they haven't mentioned it. Yeah. I also think this was the first round of changes they're going to be implementing. I think they're going to continue to refine on those changes and see how the community reacts to it and how it plays out with the upcoming meta that's going to be changing in the game. Agreed. I'm just glad that they're communicating about the sandbox again. It feels like it's been about four months since they've said anything about the sandbox. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they did mention that they wanted to implement sandbox changes on a more frequent basis. So hopefully <laughs> in the future we will have these changes happen on a more frequent cadence than what we've had in the past. I think that updates occurring every four months, that's not very useful. No, it's not. And it's, it's a promise they've made before as well. So I'll be interested to see whether they actually where they actually actually execute on that, especially with the, the you know the split from Activision going on and all that, whether they can definitely put up. Definitely. So, do you think these? Do you guys agree with these buffs and these nerfs in the game, or are you are you okay with all these changes? Yeah, they, decreasing no war, good move. Yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah. Yeah, and it that seems one. like most of these most of the things on their list are getting buffs. They're getting powerful. We yeah, I don't think they've things significantly being... nerfed anything. Yeah. They seem to be bringing everything else up. Yeah, not... yeah they, they, they wanted to kind of like bring the other ones more in line with the, the really more powerful, the powerful supers to give more you know viable options. Mm. The next topic on our list is the matchmaking changes that were uh, <laughs> planned for January 15th, which was yesterday, so they are live and in full effect uh, they talk about crucible matchmaking changes and in these changes opponents that you find in competitive matchmaking will be now closer to your glory rank they also talk about reducing the number of imbalanced players and they did expect slower matchmaking times in competitive multiplayer in crucible I know Shadow Price you had a chance to play competitive since this change has taken effect what are your thoughts still kind of inconsistent i feel like still imbalanced a little bit it's like there's some very uh matches are lopsided still uh the first four matches i played i won two lopsided and lost two lopsided both of them and then i went on like a five game losing streak after that so Basically, some of these changes, I, I don't know exactly how they changed some of these things. Um, I, I still feel like 
there's still people that jump on like other accounts and things like that, and you still get like super sweaty players in there. Um, I feel like this was a small tweak they've done. Um, I'm sure people are already uh, giving feedback. I'm probably gonna give some feedback about it. Um, hopefully they'll do some more tweaking and tuning because I feel like some more tuning is definitely uh, required here. <laughs> Anthrax, have you had a chance to play competitive Crucible since yeah. the Yeah, launch? I played maybe two or three games. Uh, I agree with you, Shadow. In the main, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel any different, but I mean, it's always felt bad. You know, comp, comp matchmaking since Forsaken has felt yeah you know, just so inconsistent. And I uh, yeah, I played two games. I, I hit a I think I hit a three stack. Two of them were running not forgotten in the first game, and then. Um, a, a, a game full of solo cures in the second game and you know it's just it, it, inconsistent is the word I would use you know it's, it's always felt that way yeah I've had the same experience in competitive multiplayer I have not had a chance to play since yesterday so I can't really speak on the changes directly that were implemented but I can say that for me playing comp it feels very uneven and not well balanced you end up going against players who are way 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 better than you and you don't really have a chance to win and it becomes a miserable experience at that point so i think they really need to work on that now here's a thought i'm wondering what if they matched people up based on their kd and comp wouldn't wouldn't that kind of make more sense if it was more skill based rather than rank based? Um, maybe a little bit of both or something, or an actual like ranking system, kind of like Elo was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Elo, yeah, that. Um, also, uh, playlists. Why can't we have a solo playlist for comp? Yeah. Why you know solo playlists and then where you want to go solo, so you don't get matched up against four stacks and get completely trampled. Well, I, I have an idea about that, and and this has to do with the fact that they mention slower matchmaking times are expected, because I simply don't think they have the player base to create an experience that will allow them to do that. I think they would gain more players that would want to play, though, if they gave a solo um, opportunity, a chance to, to solo queue and everything. I think it would bring more people in because they wouldn't feel completely, uh, you know, uh, they wouldn't feel like they they couldn't do anything. But the question then becomes, will they bring back enough people to make the experience a good experience for all players? Or will it make it where they will have a difficult time to match people up? Now, here's another food for thought. To solve this problem, what if crossplay came to Destiny? Yeah, I've been all for it. Increase the player base overall. Now, I know it's going to have its own set of challenges because can you imagine playing against Xbox players, being a PC player, and having, you know, so many players use keyboard and mouse? It may create an unfair advantage, correct? I don't think that they could do PC and console cross play. In, in PvP. I think in, yeah. in PvE for sure, but I think in competitive yeah. PvP, there's no way that yeah. the, the community would count. That would, be, that would be a really I would say thing. disable it for competitive PvP and let, yeah. let it be across the board everywhere else. Yeah, agree. Okay. Fair enough. Console, so PS4 and Xbox, yeah, that, that, I see absolutely no problem with that. 
with, with, with them having a shared management. Or, Absolutely. again, have another like playlist that you know, you know people will have keyboards and mouse like in that playlist. Yeah, and Fortnite you know, does that, right? You can you can select yeah. a yeah. cosplay play. Uh-huh. Yeah, give players the option. And another thing to really think about is technologically, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One are coming to end of life. And the next generation consoles are going to be coming out. So how will this impact the gameplay then, right? Because at that point, I would imagine console players will enjoy 60 frames gaming on in yeah. Destiny. If so they would it be, 60 frames would it by be time more, next... Would it be yeah. more fair to have PC going up against console if it is running in 60 frames? Or do you guys feel that just the whole idea of using a controller versus a keyboard mouse that gives you a greater advantage where it's not going to be possible for them to do a little bit of both you know like we were talking about like have a separate playlist like you know or a separate parameter where you can select people that have keyboards and mouse and play against those if you have a keyboard and mouse and if you have a controller and you know like like a separate kind of like parameter basically Very but interesting. Having them have the 60 frames will be more in line with what we have now, you know, for on PC. And, yeah, the consoles, the next generation consoles better be able to hit 60 with Destiny 3. Yeah. And realistically, that's not something that we're going to really see for at least, I would say, another year. We're not going to see those consoles for... Yeah, not At least, and I would say in 2020, probably, I would say fall 2020. So we're about a year and a half away from that. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see how that all transpires and how that affects the future of Destiny. So, uh, moving on, we have Iron Banner returns this week, and we also have Double Valor, and it did start yesterday. We have a couple things from the vendor. We have a new sniper rifle, and we also have a submachine gun. I wouldn't say new. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. They're... And that, that's my gripe yeah, right now. That's the Iron issue, Banner. yeah. Yeah, like, they, we should have got new weapons. We should have got new weapons, not mm-hmm. not older prize. I mean, if you're going to give us old weapons, give us the D1 Iron Banner weapons. I mean, come on. Like, that's that would have been more exciting, in my opinion. Drop vanilla D1 Iron Banner weapons. Like... Would have been exciting. Yeah. That would have had everybody playing, man. Everybody. I'm, you you want to get everybody to play? Do that. Do exactly that. Yeah, I think we're, I think it was you know we skirt around it, but the the real I think there's a fundamental more fundamental issue with Iron Banner even than the fact that they didn't introduce any new weapons and you know one new armor set per, per class and that's it. But I I think that the main issue is that there's. There's nothing sort of mid to long term to chase in Iron Banner. I don't I don't know why I'm supposed to be grinding Iron Banner when there's all this PVE stuff that I could be doing. And if I want to play Crucible and be going towards something, I'll 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 play Comp and try and grind towards the mountain top. You know, I, I don't I don't get why Iron Banner. Yeah, the weapons aren't special in Iron Banner no. right now. They 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 need a pass. They need a new design pass. They need to go back to the drawing board with those weapons. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like a, an Iron Banner pinnacle weapon. I think Thank that would you. Be yeah. cool. Thank you. I was just thinking it as you were leading to that and everything. Yeah. yeah. It'd be amazing. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I, I agree with Shadow Price on this one. I think that the weapons just don't really feel special. They're exactly the same weapons we had last year. 
so they really didn't do anything different or unique and if you look at Iron Banner in the past every year with a new expansion we got new weapons and new cool things to chase and it's kind of gone now uh, this week we have Bite of the Fox Sniper Rifle. We have that with Snapshot and Opening Shot and Aggressive Frame. And then we have a Hero's Burden Submachine Gun with Moving Target, Kill Clip, and Adaptive Frame. But it, it doesn't really motivate me to go and play Iron Banner. So then the only real reason for you to play Iron Banner is to complete that Triumph. Yeah, I mean, I might do them just because they're powerful gear drops, and it's just another chance at hopefully getting one eye mask and everything. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, it might get me in there to do that, possibly. Yeah, it could do. I'm actually thinking about completing the ba uh, the bounties and just saving them on my character until Joker's World. Yeah, that's that nice. is. I nice actually too. have, I would say at least 600 Iron Banner tokens, but I haven't really turned them in because I don't really see any appeal to try to get any of the drops that are available right now. So hopefully with uh, future expansions, they do take our feedback and give us more interesting things to chase after because I think that's really what's missing in the Iron Banner. Uh, before, when most players were trying to get to that 650 light level, you had some reason to play Iron Banner because when you completed those bounties, you were getting powerful drops that were increasing your light. But now that you don't have that, the only reason to play is for the triumphs, and that's not very exciting. I don't think there's anything really cool that you get for completing the triumphs in the Iron Banner. And they they definitely have an opportunity here, uh, also in mind with what Iron Banner could be. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they haven't really decided how they want Crucible on the whole to work in Destiny 2. Still, we've got this situation where we've got we've got quick play, we've got competitive, we've got Iron Banner. They all kind of have their own reward structures, but nothing's nothing feels finished. Um, and at the same time, they've they've taken Trials away, and, and we don't know when Trials is going to come. Back. It just it feels like the Crucible is in a really weird space yeah. at the moment, and that they they don't really know what what they want it to be. Which, is in stark contrast to the PvE landscape at the moment, which it just feels like they're really doubling down and honing in on exactly how they want it to play out, and it feels it feels brilliant at the moment. But there's something missing about Crucible in Destiny 2 on the whole. I agree 100%. And if you recall, they did say that Rals of the Nine is taking a one-season sabbatical, but they really made us believe that it's going to be coming back by the Black Armory. And it's not here and I don't think there's any indication that it's going to come back by next season yeah I don't know if we'll get it in Jokers so, I think it might be Penumbra maybe Penumbra or, or later because this split with Activision could affect their content releases and what they release in the future maybe not so much for what's promised for the annual pass because I'm sure all of that is either planned or almost finished but anything moving forward, I think they have a really lengthy road ahead in order to develop what they really want for the game. And I think it's going to take time, especially without Vicarious Visions, without High Moon Studios, to help them develop this content. Unless they get help from a third-party studio, it's going to be a longer process for us to get 
this new content. Hey, if they get Devolver to help, I'm sure there'll be blood in Destiny. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Rated M. I love those guys. They actually tweeted out about Destiny. They tweeted out to Bungie. They said, what's up? the day that the split was announced between Activision and Bungie. Yeah, I love those guys. It seems like there was an orderly queue forming behind Bungie to kind of get in line to work with them on that day. Oh, yeah, they're they're the most eligible bachelor. They are are very eager to work with other companies. I know this isn't a Destiny IE, but Star Wars was just cancelled by EA, and as soon as the news hit... Uh, Devolver Studios came out there on Twitter and they said, you know, they they want to work on Star Wars and they want to be involved. Like, can we have a shot? <laughs> making these games come to life, and I respect that. We got to meet uh, some of the developers from Devolver at uh, PAX, and hopefully, we get to meet them again this year in Boston. Yeah, that would be yeah, that would be cool. All oh, that's exciting. I'm super jealous of you guys. Oh, if you ever get to come down to the States, man, it's going to be a fun experience. It's going to be happening in March. I want to say the last week of March. And it's going to be a four. It was yeah, a lot of fun last year. A lot of fun. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I bet. Definitely yeah, a good sounds- time. So, yeah, so Iron Banner, not too exciting this week, but we'll definitely keep the conversation going. And um, I'm going to try to write an article on the reddit forum to give the developers some kind of feedback on what we think about iron banner and what we think would make it a better experience for all players and to wrap up the weekly update i just want to mention some of the uh updates from the destiny player support group first one's not going to appeal to anthrax too much because he did get his petra's run completed but uh, the last wish guitar error during the Queen's Walk requires all players to wipe before starting the final encounter. And they uh, talked a little bit about what was going on with this error. And it had to do with how memory was allocated in the game from the Riven encounter transitioning to that final phase during the Queen's Walk. Uh, they did mention they are expecting to fix this in the March 2019th update which will be update then we have obsidian accelerator item discarded when selecting use button they do not recommend using it uh, outside of going to ada one so you may want to go to ada one if you are going to use the obsidian accelerator for the key mold and mysterious box a black armory key mold is only available on the first character so if you have multiple characters you may be locked out from getting that a mysterious box unlocked and then we have forge keys are not counted towards mysterious boxes players cannot obtain another one then we have master smith triumph is not counting rare research frames in totals so they have to fix that uh, triumph for luminarch shadow price poison hmm. arrow perks are inconsistent over long distances and yeah. finally the Forge and Fire Triumph can't be claimed after players complete the Forge and Fire badge in the collections. That's really interesting. Good news that they're fixing the guitar thing, because that, that seems like a really pervasive, a horrific bug. That they, Obviously, they've spent a lot of time trying to root out the cause of that problem yeah. and, and figure out how to solve it. 
and always something in the raids, like even in yeah. Leviathan, and we had to like change armor and stuff like that to get the other person to spawn and yeah. stuff. Like, <laughs> it's got to be the memory. It's got to. Yeah, be well, something. again, especially when there's a there's a, a title attached to attached to the Petrod run, you know, it's it's yeah. it's good that it's getting the priority that it needs. Definitely. And that was the weekly update this week. So uh, we got got some interesting news about the supers that are going to be changing very shortly uh, in the coming weeks. And we got some updates on sandbox changes along with the guitar hero. Guitar hero. Did I just say guitar hero? Oh my goodness. The guitar error. <laughs> during the last wish um i do find it interesting that if they do get it fixed by march it will have taken them six months to fix it by that point how many people are playing the last wish raid you know what that reminds me of heavy ammo glitch from uh d1 uh, with uh the um what was it crota doing the heavy ammo glitch with uh the icebreaker and everything Emptying out all your rounds and then use an icebreaker and getting tons of bricks. Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, because remember we were losing heavy ammo. We did that because we lost heavy ammo when we died and everything. And you could only pop heavy ammo while you could actually use since in D1. <laughs> cough, cough. Raid banners, am I right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the raid banners do kind of help. But it's still, even in other activities, it'd be nice to be able to like, pop a synth. Yeah, I want synths back for sure. Yeah, it would be nice to have heavy ammo synths for sure. I miss them. Before we go on to the next topic, if you were to rate the This Week at Bungie, as they call it now, what would you give this weekly update in terms of a score? Um, I'd give it four spicy tuna rolls out of five. Ooh, four spicy tuna rolls. Okay. Because there was a lot of good information in it. I think it's a four for me as well. As you say, there's a lot of good stuff in there and, and you know, just just it's it's very exciting the direction that they're taking the game. I think in particular the super subclass changes for me. It just it seems like they're embracing the power fantasy a lot more, and I like that. Yeah, more more sandbox updates, the more frequent. Mm -hmm. I, I like it. I would give them a three out of five because I think that the Niobe Labs debacle was uh, no bueno, <laughs> and yeah. uh, they they also you know taking six months to fix that guitar error during the Queen's Walk, I, I don't think that's very acceptable, and there's nothing really in this update for Iron Banner that would make me want to play the activity. So the only the only real meat and potatoes that I took away from this update was the sandbox changes that were taking place, and I do appreciate the fact that they were very open and transparent about these changes, and I think that it's definitely a step in the right direction. And the fact that, say, they're going to try to do it more frequently definitely more. definitely so yeah that was the weekly update from bungie and we're going to move on to the elephant in the room it was announced last week that activision and bungie ends their publishing deal after eight years and bungie will retain all rights to the destiny franchise it's pretty big yeah this this was industry shaking it was so big these are two giant video game publishers and developers just parting ways. And everybody made videos about it. It, or it got liked like 50,000 times and everything on Twitter. There's a lot of 
people that are happy about this, including myself, and I think this was definitely the, the right decision for Bungie. Definitely. And the joint statement was released, and it states the following. Today, we're announcing plans for Bungie to assume full publishing rights and responsibilities for the Destiny franchise. Going forward, Bungie will own and develop the franchise, and Activision will increase its focus on owned IP and other projects. Activision and Bungie are committed to seamlessly transition for the Destiny franchise and will continue to work closely together during the transition on behalf of the community of Destiny players all around the world. And that was the statement that completely shocked the entire world. It was completely unexpected. I believe Jason Schreier had tweeted out multiple uh, bits of information about there being a meeting about the future of Bungie and Activision, but nobody expected that Activision would allow for you know, Bungie to retain all of the rights to the game. That's that's a pretty big thing. I think the writing was on the wall, though, basically. You know, mm -hmm. the plan's not lining up. Like, Activision saying that it had not uh, reached their uh, sales potential. They felt like they felt like that it underperformed, Forsaken underperformed. Whereas Luke Smith was like, we're not disappointed in this game, and uh, basically we, we're going to continue to... to develop destiny you know and in the best interest of our players so. yeah definitely and there there was a, a series of events that took place that led up to this happening uh, back in november of 2018 activision had a earnings call and they reported disappointing sales for destiny 2 and they blamed underperformance of the franchise for the poor financial results Shortly after, Luke Smith came out and said on Twitter that we are not disappointed with Forsaken. We set out to build a game that Destiny players would love, and at Bungie, we love it too. Furthermore, Jason Stryer had reported that the relationship between Activision and Bungie has not been positive from the very beginning. So it sounds like throughout the duration of their eight-year relationship together it's been it's been a shaky relationship yeah now there was an article released by polygon about the current situation and they bring up some really interesting points in that article that i wanted to bring up and touch on here on the show and the article points out that nothing was promised to us during the announcement last week beyond the month of July they did state that you know we should stay tuned for more information on the future but there was nothing that would lead us to believe that we're even getting another expansion in September like we had before Furthermore, they go on to state that there is a huge potential that we will be getting larger content droughts in between these releases because from Activision's standpoint, yes, they were almost pushing Destiny to release more content, but would that not also mean that we got this content on the cadence and frequency that we did because of Activision? So would this now mean that we might get content once a year? or even get smaller bits of content like 
what we have with the annual pass. Yeah, they went from having Vicarious Visions and High Moon to develop, help them with Forsaken, help them with Warmind. Now you lose those studios. So basically... Yeah, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't be underestimated. That's going to be a significant blow to them, I think. Vicarious Visions yeah. in particular did some phenomenal yeah. work on Forsaken. And yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue and say that without Vicarious Visions, I don't think that Destiny 2 would come out for the PC. No, they did a phenomenal job on the PC port. The port, yeah, supposedly yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. So they, they did a really great job, and that also makes me wonder how will Destiny 2 be supported in the future for the PC? Will Bungie have the skill set and the ability to maintain it and update it in such a way where it's a experience that we've come to appreciate on the PC. It's... Maybe they can poach some people from Blizzard that are uh, unhappy to you know help them develop, do some more you know tuning for PC and everything. Yeah, there are rumors that Activision have just just been absolutely hacking away at Blizzard in, yep. in some times as well. You know, it doesn't it doesn't seem like Activision are only fighting on one front here with this Destiny thing. They they seem to be having problems in a few areas. Yeah, and, yeah, they've had massive turnover in the past few months mm -hmm. with their CEOs and everything and, and yeah. the controversial decisions yeah. and whatnot. Eric Hirschberg, I want to say, left last year, around April. Yeah, last March, yep. March, April, yep. At the end of March. So, so yeah, I agree. Bungie losing Vicarious Visions and High Moon Studios, a big, big loss, a big, big blow because... It, it also makes you wonder what will happen in the future with the game and, and the content that they're able to release and how frequently we can get this content because Vicarious, I think, I believe High Moon Studios actually was, was the studio that contributed largely Forsaken. to Forsaken. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what we really loved about the game was not, you know, was brought to us in a large part because of Activision's studios. That, yeah, that and Vicarious Visions built Warmind, which arguably saved Year One. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a phenomenal expansion, yeah. considering the the rest of the quality of the content that came out in the first year of D two. Yeah, because we started getting pursuits back and things like yeah. that, things that we had things not had. Chase. Yeah, and then bounties got reintroduced that we you know had lost. Plus we had Escalation Protocol, we had the Whisper Mission, we had Spire of Stars, you know, there yeah. was a lot of good content in that expansion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And they also bring up a really interesting point about Destiny 2 now being kind of a, a legacy product because it's a product of Activision and Bungie. So are both parties now eager to pretty much do away with this game and move on to the next thing? Now, I think Bungie would probably be a little bit more wary about doing that because in the process of doing so, they are also screwing the player base, and I don't think they're going to want to do that. I think that Bungie is starting to realize that you know their players, the people who love the game, are very important to their franchise, and those are the people who will stick around and buy their product. So I don't think they're going to be too eager to end Destiny 2 anytime soon. But it does make you wonder how this will affect anything that's being released beyond September. Will Bungie continue to invest significant efforts into Destiny 2 with more larger expansions like what we got with Forsaken? Or 
is the annual pass going to be the end of what we know as the last big update to Destiny 2? I don't think so. I, I think that uh, similar to the way they did in, in Destiny 1 with Rise of Iron when they you know, when they when they had to push Taken King out, you know, uh, not Taken King, when they had to put Destiny 2 out by a year, they they sort of cobbled Rise of Iron together and it ended up being a really good drop of content in the main and, the, you know, Age, Age of Triumph was, was still one of my favorite times in Destiny. I think the Bungie are great at persevering and uh, I, I, I think they know for a fact that if they leave this game to die for a year, two years while they work on something else, that the player base will probably not be there for them when when they do launch launch the next uh, the next game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think they're going to have a rise of iron size uh, mm-hmm. expansion in the fall. Yeah. Just because it's something that they can they it is in they're able to do it between now and then. I mean, they probably have them working on it. I'm sure, but it's something that they will be able to probably produce for everybody. That, that time frame it seems more of a like likelihood. Yeah, we'll get something Rise of Iron sized, I think, and then I think we'll have another annual pass next year. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I agree hopefully, with that. you know, September 2020. I think we, you know, we can hope for D3. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I personally think that we are going to get a major expansion in the fall, even if it means that uh, Bungie has to seek out a third-party studio to help them to make that happen. I think that Vicarious Visions, they're an incredibly talented group of developers, but I do think that others do exist in the world who can help with the franchise. So I would be curious to see if Bungie were to even working with Microsoft again and maybe having Microsoft handle all of the publishing, the franchise, but they wouldn't own the copyright to the game. They wouldn't own the rights to, to the... Yes. The good news... Uh, yeah, I want to pay, piggyback off that. The good news is uh, Bungie will be... They're in the position to call the shots now. They have an established franchise, basically, now. They don't need somebody to foster this one, and they, they have it. They're already on the second game of it. You know, they can control how they want to, you know, to delegate. They, they'll be able to delegate instead of having them be told what to do. Yeah, someone tweeted, um, Guardians make their own fate. And I thought that was a really nice way of summarizing how the community has kind of reacted was, to this whole thing. That was Luke Smith. Yeah, yeah well, there you go. Yeah, creator of uh, Vault of Glass. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's a very appropriate tweet, actually. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, we also didn't really bring up the point that back in June of 2018, a company called NetEase, it's a Japanese investment company. Is it Chinese? Chinese, yep. Man, I always mess this up. Bad corn, bad corn. Okay, (laughs) a Chinese company, NetEase, invested $100 million back in June to help Bungie work on new projects or rather to fund new projects and to polish the current destiny franchise yeah so so in terms of funding if if bungie were to not have enough money to you know fund their projects without activism they could very easily go to this company and get further funding 
to support their efforts. And I very highly doubt they would break up their relationship with Activision if they didn't have that backup in place to make sure they have the funding to continue the franchise in such a way that they can support the player base and keep everybody wanting to play Destiny. Oh yeah, Bungie are talking to people right now. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. For sure. Now, now here's another interesting um, note. NetEase is also the company that's responsible for a little game called Diablo Immortal, which was very poorly received. And I believe when the game was announced, a lot of people were booing the the announcement. Yeah, they they weren't happy they were about expecting it. Diablo Four. They were. And they got a cell phone game. They got a cell phone game. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's happy. here's another thing. This company NetEase, it's. It has a history of predatory practices with mobile games in China. I'm curious how this will impact the future of Destiny, especially if NetEase may have more of a say in what Bungie does with the game. Oh, it, it'll only be with the, the other game. Yeah, I was going to say. It, it's not going to affect Destiny. Not going to affect Destiny. Yeah. At least that's the implication so far, is that it, it's a new project, a new IP that they're working on together, and... and it's exactly. to help them fund for a good yeah. Destiny. Things. Exactly. Because Destiny is going to obviously be their main franchise like going forward. They might have these small little projects, just kind of like this Nettie's thing and everything off the side, but that's going to give them revenue to help fund Destiny further. Yeah, I think they've got this vision of turning into a kind of a Bethesda-style you know, developer-slash-publisher that kind of has maybe three or four core IPs and you know, kind of churns them out and then works on other little individual projects as and when they they come about or collaborates with other studios to release their their games and you know i think i think that's that seems to be the model they're moving towards and that makes the most sense i feel mm -hmm. like too yeah definitely now i do also want to bring up that just because you know they said they're working on a new project it doesn't mean that it's not destiny related right it could be the next destiny game but they don't want to say it's destiny you know that could I, be a new project also i mean would it technically not be a new project because i they said it wasn't destiny i think maybe. they trademarked a name didn't they for a new the name of a new ip um, they did yeah. i can't remember what it's what it's it, called, what it's they, called. Re they, they yeah. registered a trademark for a new it's called matter there you go thank oh, you google okay. matter 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 yeah m-a-double-t-e-r yeah. oh okay matter. okay hmm, interesting very cool. Well, so that's all we know at this point. But yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say that we're we're not going to see a significant negative impact from from NetEase on on the Destiny franchise again. You know, clip this and at me in a year's time if if they they release a Destiny mobile game at E3 next year. But I really don't see it happening. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to help further to fund Destiny. Like and other projects, and but yeah, I think Destiny's still going to be their main franchise. Whereas they would have smaller, they they're going to kind of form like you said, a Bethesda, like an umbrella, be like an umbrella of other, you know, games going forward. But Destiny yeah. will be their main. Now, do you guys think that the roadmap will be affected in any way with this change, where Activision is no longer publishing the Destiny franchise? Do you think that? Perhaps Destiny 3 will be delayed? I think so, yeah. 
I think that's yeah. So as we discussed, I think I think after after the, this annual pass, we'll get something fairly sizable in September. Probably not quite as big as Forsaken, somewhere between somewhere between Rise of Iron and Forsaken, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be a similar size annual pass, I think. Um, that's certainly my prediction. But again, who knows? You know, I mean, we literally they, we could get to September and they could go, guys, we're doing something completely different again. The annual pass didn't work out. We're starting from scratch. Here's something completely new. What if they merge Destiny with Destiny too? Like merge them together and everything. You know? Yeah. It's start like... start releasing free content drops of of D1 content into D2. Yeah. Yeah. Literally anything could happen. We're, update we're update the Sunless Cell. Update the Sunless yeah. Cell. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be fun. Update the Nexus. Oh, my uh, God. VOG 2.0. Can you imagine VOG 2.0? Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness, man. Bring the old raids back, but let me use my new subclasses, please. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Can you imagine, can you imagine how people would try to, like, glitch and exploit the game with... With all the new super abilities, man. Do you remember? Well, this is this is an interesting thing about them bringing back old exotics, right? Is that they're interacting with with the Destiny Two sandbox, which is completely different to the Destiny One sandbox. It's it's, yeah. it's really interesting to see yeah. old stuff come back and be deployed in the new sandbox. Yeah, and it feels fresh too. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's all repetitive. Like I would kill if I can get a Gallarhorn right now, man. I wish. We, I only wish. We, yeah, we had an idea. Me and my clanmates were talking the other day, and we had an idea. So you know, the last word is coming back. Yes. So, so imagine for a second, uh, popping a rally barricade and then holding down the right trigger with the last word equipped. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's a fantasy right there. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine equipping chromatic fire on your warlock and using the last word as well. That was the other one that's exciting. You know, the last word with firefly, like. That, that sounds pretty good to me. That sounds amazing. Oh my god. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. And and don't forget, they introduced um, Masterworks and Catalyst for exotics now. So I'm wondering if that might play a role in the last word. And yeah. I really hope that they double down on Catalyst. It it was it was such a great infusion of content when we didn't have much to do, and it it feels like. They've they've treated it as like a one-off stopgap solution. When actually, I, I feel like in general the community loves Catalyst. I think it's it's a great way for them to buff exotics and at the same time give us something to grind for. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that Catalyst make all activities that you normally wouldn't really want to play. They make them relevant again. Look at strikes. People are grinding out strikes because they do want to get the risk runner Catalyst. Or they'll grind out Crucible because you want to get that Vigilance uh, Catalyst. I still haven't gotten it to this no, day. Man. So it adds a whole new layer to the endgame activity. Now, here's another thought. What if they created special Catalysts designed for the raid? And you can put them on the raid guns. That would that would be a way for them to pretty much add a whole new level of longevity to the raid content that's already in the game. That would be cool. It's you know it goes back to these you know them them us well, us wanting them to infuse more more of the RPG elements into the game and to kind of bring that more to the fore. Give us give us ways to specialize. You know I I want to be able to differentiate the way that I play from the way that my friend plays. You know. I want more options with the subclasses too. I want more trees. I want way more customization. 
in the subclasses. Yeah. Sure. Either more, yeah, either more trees or just free up the tree system completely, revert it back to Destiny One, allows it allow us to pick and choose our perks yes. from each tree individually. So yes. let me let me have a melting point, but also run burning more if I want to. You know. Yes. Now I do want to move on to the next subject, but before I do, I have three uh, more things to touch on. We do have the Sony exclusivity that been around for the longest time, and most players are not for that idea. They don't like the idea of having to wait at least a year, in some cases two years, before you get to play content that really you should have been able to play from the very beginning because we all paid the same price for this game. So for us to be missing a strike when content's already a little thin, not very fun. So now that Activision is no longer in the picture, is the Sony exclusivity over? I think it will be once uh, once we get see that last piece of Activision content, Activision Bungie content, which will will be probably Penumbra. I don't think anything after that is gonna. I think is gonna be Bungie produced at that point. Great. Um, so I think by fall we should see an end PlayStation exclusives. I hope so. I hope so. It it, it, it divides the community. I, I don't know anyone who plays on PlayStation who thinks it's a good idea for them to have stuff that Xbox players yeah. don't. You know, it's I, I don't know. I, I don't get I don't get who benefits from it. Uh, yeah. from Sony agreed. Um, and the other thing is it, it it it's frustrating because it's a year. Do you know what I mean? They, we, we've always had these exclusivity deals. They've always existed in in the gaming industry. You know, going back through cards. You know, they were always. A month now. There usually is a month. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it just it just it blows me away that that, that they they sat that somebody sat down in a, in a room with Sony and that the the end result of that conversation was a year long exclusivity deal. Yeah. For every single release for the ten year life of the contract. Yeah, it's 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 too, it's quite excessive. It, like you said, it divides the community. It's just it's. It's kind of anti-consumer a little bit, and it, you know, it just, it doesn't. I don't like those practices. No, agreed. yeah, agreed. And especially today, more than ever, I don't think that game publishers and game developers have the liberty to do things that are anti-consumer because gamers are very sensitive to all of these things, uh, especially with the controversies that are going on with loot boxes and microtransactions. Players are very sensitive to those things, and even Sony is realizing that, hey, you know, they have to play nice with others. Look at Rocket League. They had to cave in and bring Rocket League crossplay support to Nintendo and Xbox because players were pissed, and it, we're not living in a world where people are as willing to take crap from these studios they're more sensitive to it and they're smarter to act with their wallets and not support companies when they do things like what sony has done in the past and with these type of exclusivity deals agreed and there's you know there are more options out there now it's it's not a two-horse race anymore it's not sony versus activision in the endless console war you know there, there are options out there now. You know, I, I know that you guys both, both you play uh, Nintendo Switch. Oh yeah. And oh, Nintendo yeah. Switch is crushing it. They they killed it with their sales. I think they're yeah. they're on their way to hit twenty million. 
yeah, yeah. As you said, they don't have the liberty to take advantage of yeah. players in kind of sort of underhanded economic tactics. And now yeah. let's not forget. Uh, speaking of the Nintendo Switch, the Switch Pro is rumored to be coming out this year. How will this impact Destiny? Will Destiny be a possibility on the Nintendo Switch with an upgraded hardware? I I think so. I think it, I mean I don't see why not. If if the Switch is going to be upgraded, it's going to you know be more capable. It's going to have you know a better processor in it and things of that nature. If they do all that with it, then I don't see why why it couldn't come. I would love yeah, to. Agreed. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if if the the Sony exclusivity deal you know had had been blocking efforts like that in, in, in the past i can't imagine that it was an easy conversation with sony when they told them that they were you know creating destiny 2 on pc and you know widening the widening the the, the, the number of avail- available platforms because a lot of people migrated off ps4 and onto pc you know they kind of yeah, been happy one of them yeah well yeah exactly yeah they kind of yeah. been happy about that and you know i i can't imagine they would have been singing from the rooftops if bungie had floated the idea of of migrating onto Switch, but they can do that now if they want, right? If they, if they want to go and sit down with Nintendo, they can do that now without any obligation to a publisher, you know, nobody holding their hand. I think they can. I think Activision was doing was some of the reason for that too, because the only Activision games we have on Switch right now is like Skylanders and Crash Bandicoot. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. <laughs> I know we very briefly uh, talked about this, but crossplay and... Uh, cross save is now becoming in my opinion more of a possibility for the destiny franchise now granted we do have some challenges because yes there is a question of how will the competitive landscape be affected by having pc players going up against xbox and playstation 4 players but in the next couple of years i think that problem is going to figure itself out because technology is only becoming more and more powerful so i think that the age of worrying about frame rates is going to become a thing of the past in the near future and it would be pretty awesome for us to be able to play destiny with friends from xbox and playstation and play things like raid activities and play strikes and story and even iron banner even just cross save to start with like it'd be nice to be able to just be able to take your character on pc and play with that on the other when you you know you still have all your gear and everything you don't yeah, have to so many players regrind would be incentivized to then buy a second copy of the game right it's it's like it's a win-win for them you know as, yeah. as soon as you enable cross save i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna buy a, a copy of the, the pc version of the game you know i'm forsaken why not yeah now, the last thing I want to bring up about this uh, Activision deal that's happening is uh, do you think that we might get a whole new model in Destiny after the annual pass where they start to embrace a World of Warcraft model where they pretty much start to add on to the game instead of creating something completely fresh? Um, I think they could start adding on, you know, I, I think they didn't want to make sequels. Like, I think they, their whole idea was to just like add on to the game at, you know, existing game and everything like that, or just create basic like games kind of like Halo 
add some maps and things like that and then release the others. But I think it was still uh, the former that they wanted to just build onto the existing game, not have everything get chopped up like it did in the beginning and everything and sold as separate DLC and everything when it should have been came as a complete game. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with that as well. I think that, you know, it's it's definitely a possibility or maybe Destiny 3 will come to us in the form of a new game, but something that doesn't completely invalidate Destiny 2. They might add on to it, but still maintain all of the items that we had collected from the start. Because, I mean, can you imagine if maybe not this year, but next year, they say, okay, well, you know that spicy ramen emote that you have or the guitar <laughs> emote that you have? You could say goodbye to it now because it's not moving forward into Destiny 3 or whatever major release will happen with Bungie. Yeah, if that does happen, if we do get a, you know, a, a full reset at the end of Destiny 2 and we start Destiny 3 from scratch, I, I, I just hope it's the last time, you know, as, as, as you've mentioned, I, I hope that this this now will be them going right we've stepped out from under activision's wing we know exactly what we want to build here we're giving ourselves the time of the budget to build it effectively and then once yeah. we've released it we're just going to continually layer upon layer upon layer and and add to it because as you say one, one of the biggest problems with the franchise is that they build all this incredible content and then within three months we never play again and then yeah. you know, now you've got four amazing raids in destiny one let's be honest the you know, I, I I would love literally I would love to be able to play those raids right now and get those armor sets in Destiny 2. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab I agree. absolutely. I I think that you know it's a disservice to all of the talented people at Bungie who put in mm. all of the hard work into building all of these awesome environments, all of these raids and strikes, and then three years later after the game is released they pretty much stop supporting it I think that that was wrong that was a really really bad move on their part because there are people out there who are still playing Destiny 1 so why remove things like Iron Banner and Trials and the the things that made the game feel fresh I don't get just that. to rip Trials right out of Destiny 2 like, you know, it's exactly like... The reason that they, the reason they got rid of trials. I mean, to be fair, can you imagine if they hadn't, and then within what a month, two months of Destiny Two being out, there would everybody be was playing on D One, Trials of Osiris, yeah. and playing Trials of the Nine on a weekend, it would have been a PR disaster. But right? but but yeah. you know what? They're still playing their game, so it's it's kind of a win-win. And if people want to play D One, let them play D One. Who cares? Is it really that big of a disaster if people are still playing your game? You know. They're still in your game rather than playing things like The Division or playing, I don't know, Borderlands. It was an act, it was more of an Activision thing, though, I feel like. You know, it's like they're, say, they're selling the new content. They want people playing the new content. They don't want people playing the old stuff. I feel like that was more of an Activision thing. Yeah, I agree. I because agree. there was no more monetization in, in D1 besides, like, the regular tests stuff and everything like that. That was, like the only thing um there was you know there was no more expansions nothing else coming you know so no other way to monetize it based on you know but nobody's really buying emotes in d1 anymore like you know so it's <laughs> yeah 
sort of yeah. that's I think it was an Activision thing. But but here's the but, interesting thing: you can buy emotes in D1. You can buy microtransactions in D1. Still. Yeah, but why would you? <laughs> well, I I get it, but if you are able to, right? When they first came out with Tess Everest, didn't they say that it was designed as a way for them to support the live team to create more content within the game? And then they kind of went back and they continued to selling this stuff, but they're not giving us any more content in D1. Yeah, to be Indeed. fair, them saying them saying the Eververse is a, a way for them to support the live team and support updates to the game is a it's a roundabout way of saying Eververse is a way of paying us money to develop content, you know, yeah. which is yeah. exactly what we do when we buy expansions and we buy mm-hmm. you know copies of the game and all that. It's you know, at the end of the day, Eververse, as much as any any other way that we give Bungie our money, is just a way for them to continue paying developers to to, yeah. to develop content. Video games. games are expensive, okay? Exactly. <laughs> that's that's one of it. You know, that the, everyone there was a lot of outcry after after that announcement because the implication was that that the money that you were spending on Eververse would go directly into making cool stuff that you would get pretty soon after you'd spent that money, and obviously that's that's just not a, a reasonable expectation. Yeah. Um, I don't think Eververse is going away because Activision's going away either. I, I, I you know, I think that Bungie oh, still, it's still a business at the end of the day. That you yeah. know, they have to. And they have to make money. Yeah. I agree. It's and a they have revenue. Seven hundred staff or something to pay. You yeah. know, it's I, a revenue stream. Exactly. I don't think that it's going away, but I do see them moving away from the model where they have loot boxes because of the controversy that's going around, especially in Europe where games are being completely banned because of these practices i think they're going to move away from this completely um do you guys remember in uh d1 during a sparrow racing uh league during srl you were able to buy this uh, book that allowed you to complete additional triumphs and different things that gave you more stuff in the game i kind of see them doing more of that moving forward and i think it's a brilliant way for them to generate revenue while releasing you know holiday events and Christmas events and um, Crimson Days and things like that. Yeah, more yeah those were like precursors for Triumphs, right? When they called Triumph books? Yep, Triumph books, yep. Yeah, yeah more direct purchase options. Yeah, mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, we went over this uh, in pretty great depth. Let's move on and talk about a few other things here that are not Destiny related, just a few Bits of news, Blizzard and Activision are under investigation for insider trading and fraud, so they're not having a really good time right now, because not only are they breaking up with Destiny, but now they're under investigation for fraud, and with corporate-level employees leaving the company, it really makes you wonder what the heck is going on at Activision, and their future does not seem too bright right now. Yeah, Bungie saw that writing on the wall, man. They got the hell out of there. (laughs) Yeah. In other news, with Activision and Blizzard, their new CFO gets a $15 million bonus for taking his job. I wonder how much money that uh, was from people buying microtransactions in Destiny. (laughs) And if you're curious, his name is Spencer Newman. Sounds I'm sorry, that's, that's the old... I apologize. Spencer Newman was the guy who previously held position as CFO of the company... Durkin. Looks like Durkin. Durkin. Something Durkin. And then, I don't know if that's a last name or a first name. I'm guessing that's a last name. Mr. Durkin. So yeah, yeah. but, but uh, people are not very happy about that, especially with news breaking about 
Activision going to their employees and pretty much saying, if anybody wants to leave, you leave, and you're going to get a severance package, but you're more than welcome to leave. So they're going through some pretty big shakeups within their company, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how, like, Call of Duty is a franchise that's pretty much owned and controlled by Activision, how they will be affected by these changes in this year yeah. and into the future. Activision went full EA, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, turned into, they, they went full EA, just basically, like, relieving people, closing studios, things of that nature. Yep. Um, also, former Gearbox lawyer accuses Randy Pitchford, CEO of Gearbox Studios, for taking a $12 million secret bonus. Huh. I wonder if that's going to uh, delay... Borderlands three, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was brought to his attention, and he claims that the rumors are absurd. To make matters even more interesting, I guess there was some kind of pornography found on his hard drive or his USB drive that was left behind during a podcast that he had conducted, and they they found porn pornographic images of I don't know if it was somebody underage but it was like barely legal porn he said the girl was he, he said the girl was 18 um, you know so I don't know it's, it sounds like a he said she said basically yeah. um, you know I don't know if you can determine whatever but there was also corporate documents on that thumb drive too as well yep so and, uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how this will affect the next Borderlands game, because obviously we've been waiting for another Borderlands title since, I want to say 2014 was when the last one came out, so it's been a while, and uh, there are rumors going around that the next Borderlands will be coming out this year. I'm wondering how their sales would be affected by this new shakeup. Yeah, this oh, is yeah, not... they release Borderlands 3, I'm pretty sure that nothing will hurt their sales. <laughs> this, everybody's yeah. been waiting for that game for so well, long, right? Honestly, I think that if if there's any kind of issue relating to pornography, I, I think that yeah, Randy Pitchford... Yeah, maybe I think he'll, parents won't buy it for their kids, maybe? Well, well not only that, but I think he will probably step down as CEO if, it's, if it yeah. actually comes to light to be true. Then he'll just step down because I don't see... A company like Gearbox falling down or with their, get voted with, out with, too, yeah. Right? I mean, look at what happened mm-hmm. with Papa John's, right? Yeah. You know, the CEO stepped down because of issues that took place with his credibility, and and he had to do what he had to do in order for the company to be able to continue to run. So, I don't think it's going to really affect Borderlands Three, but um, I really hope that these accusations are not true because Randy Pitchford has been around for a really long time and you know he's done a lot of good stuff for the gaming community and I genuinely believe that he does love the Borderlands franchise. They've done a lot of great stuff with it. I'm hoping it's not true and we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and with other news, Shadow Price, do you want to talk about this one? Uh, yeah, it looks like uh, it was data mined in the, that there's uh, possible Super NES games coming to the Switch. It was buried in the code of uh, Switch's uh, uh, code, and it looks like there's 22 games that were data mined to be 
found to be coming to the Switch. And uh, those games are Breath of Fire 2, uh, Contra 3 The Alien Wars, Demon's Crest, F-Zero, Kirby's Dream Course, Kirby's Dream Land 3, Kirby Superstar, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, Pilot Wings, Poppin' Twinbee, Star Fox, Star Fox 2, Stunt Race FX, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Mario All-Stars, Super Mario Kart, Super Mario World, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, Super Metroid, Super Punch-Out, and Super Soccer. So it looks like they dug deep into the code and they found this uh, information on there and they found the two emulators uh, that you know were responsible for the NES and then they also dubbed the other one that they saw an SNES emulator. But there's also two other mystery emulators on there. They weren't able to figure out what those are yet. You know, we could only guess that they could possibly be maybe the upcoming N64 and maybe GameCube emulators, possibly. Pretty exciting. Um, I owned about half of these games, so it would be really cool to be able to play on my Switch. How awesome would it be if we can play Super Mario World on Nintendo Switch? Man. Yeah, with online play to be able to play online? back and forth oh, wow. and everything. That would yeah. be awesome. And I bet you're pretty excited about Super Metroid, too. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. It's in my top five. Hey, Anthrax, do you own a Nintendo Switch? I don't, man. I wish I did. I kind of missed the boat on it uh, at first, and uh, now it kind of feels like it might be, it might be kind of just wait for the wait for the next version to come. Yeah, out. wait for the pro, man. Wait for the pro, <laughs> and it's going to be a good yeah. time to pick it up. They are rumored to be releasing the next Metroid game for the Nintendo Switch, and it's almost certain we will be getting a new mainline Pokemon game if that's your thing. And that's expected to come out this year. Also, we're expecting maybe a new Zelda game or a Zelda remake. That would be pretty interesting if, if it actually comes to fruition. There are so many juicy rumors about Nintendo and Switch and uh, Switch revisions and Switch games coming this year and Nintendo Directs and everything. Yeah, yeah it's an exciting developing platform, right? Nintendo are always kind of out there on the left field by themselves doing their own thing, but it's, yeah, it's it's an exciting, you know, they're, they're in their own space and they're doing their own thing. And it's, 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 they know how to generate the hype, I'll tell you. They yeah, yeah and, and if you think about it, this is really Nintendo's year because Sony will not be at E3 this year, and Xbox is in a very transitional phase right now where they're working with a lot of different creative uh, companies and different studios to build new IPs but they won't be ready for several years and they're also kind of stuck in between generations of consoles where the the current generation's consoles are now coming end of life this year uh, but this year is going to be a big year for Nintendo because with uh, Xbox and Sony being out of the picture as far as like major competition goes, this creates a huge opportunity for Nintendo to capitalize, and I think they're going to do a really, really great job this year. They're going to make a killing. Yeah, Microsoft or Xbox can't wait to get to the next generation to get it started. Like they're going to release their their uh, pro they're going to release like two or three different devices. Sounds like they have a streaming device. They're going to have like the you know a regular version, and then they're going to have a super souped up version. Basically, from the sounds of it, like they're gonna have a family of consoles, or consoles and devices to play games. That's that's pretty exciting. I'm I'm really excited about that. It's gonna be mm -hmm. really interesting to see what they do. Let's let's move on to the next topic on the show. 
and Shadow Price, I'm sure you're going to really want to talk about this one. Games that we're playing that are not Destiny. You've been playing a little remake that came out pretty recently. Yeah, yeah, I got to dive into the Resident Evil 2 uh, demo. I played it on PC, and uh, it's it's gorgeous. It, it looks amazing. It runs incredible. Um, I'm really happy with what they've done with all the camera angles and the lighting and the, uh, the graphics and just everything. It's just, it, I mean, just the small slice I got to play, I really, really enjoyed. I really enjoyed playing it. I had this feeling of dread, too. Like, you actually... It's really cool and what they've done with it to uh, bring it to the modern day. I can't wait to play it. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I hope to play it in the next couple days, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with this game, especially remaking it for a whole new generation of consoles. It's going to be really, really cool. Yeah, it's one of my most anticipated games this year. Very cool. Anthrax, are you playing any other games that are not Destiny? Yeah, man. So interestingly, I, I picked up uh, Assassin's Creed Origins pre-owned, um, oh, and I, I didn't play the first time around. Um, so I picked up pre-owned for like, uh, would have been like, like fifteen dollars or something. It's pretty cheap, um, and I, I bashed through it in like thirty-five hours. What a brilliant addition to that franchise that game was. I don't know if you guys played that, but I think it was it was one of the most well-rounded and kind of well thought out of, of any of the games of the franchise, aside from Black Flag, which kind of feels like its own standalone thing. Um, I felt like Origins was great. The story was gripping from start to finish, genuinely gripping, and it did a good job of laying the foundations for the rest of the franchise that we've already experienced, all that Ezio Auditory storylines and all those, you know. And I've always been a kind of a passive fan of the franchise. I like them as kind of pick up play for 50 hours and never touch again games you know those kind of self-contained games um yeah. but there's a huge open world in origins you know i've completed the main quest but there is a lot left to do like a lot left to do so yeah i actually have a copy of origins for the pc but i i've never really opened it yet and i'll have to maybe check it out sometime give it a try man yeah as i say it's not a huge time sink you could you could if you just did the main quest you could bash it out in 28 to 30 hours i would say um, but it's the biggest open world. Uh, again, I haven't played Odyssey, so I can't. Oh, Odyssey is obviously the new one. I can't. I, can't I heard Odyssey is amazing. I, I, I want. I want yeah, to play Odyssey. I want to play Odyssey. I, 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 lo- I love the setting of Greece and everything. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's got That's, the mythology. It's the Assassin's Creed we've been waiting for, right? The Greek mythology Assassin's Creed is the one we've really been waiting for. So yeah, yeah I'm excited to play that at some point. But I'm, I'm definitely going to pick up the DLC for, uh, for Origins. Because it sounds like that adds a lot more content. There's a lot more of a kind of a mythological theme to some of the DLCs, from what I've heard. So that's exciting as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've got stuff to play other than Destiny, but I'm, I'm, you know, I still sink the vast majority of my time into Destiny, grinding for, you know, all kinds of useless things that nobody else would would deem important. But you know, why we do what we do. Hey man, that's why we're hardcore players. That's why we are who we are. We are the true legends of Destiny. The game that I've been playing, believe it or not, was Pokemon Let's Go on the Nintendo Switch. I picked it up because it it was essentially a remake of Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue. And I played Pokemon Red and Blue back in the day. And man, that was my first Pokemon game. I was in just entering high school. 
can't believe it's been that long ago. But uh, I remember playing it on my Game Boy Color, and I decided to check out Pokemon Let's Go, and I I loved it. I'm a hundred hours in, and uh, it's been it's been a really awesome experience. I think the graphics look incredible. I think that the new mechanic with how you catch the Pokemon are very intuitive and very unique, where they add to the game rather than take away from the game. Uh, the only the only thing that I will say is the game felt a little easy as far as fighting all the gym battles and all the trainers. But other than that, I think the game is really, really well built. The music is incredible. The art style is incredible. All of the Pokemon that are in the game. And if you're a fan of Pokemon Red or Pokemon Blue, if you played it back in the day, definitely check this one out for the Nintendo Switch. Well worth the price and lots of gameplay. You get so much gameplay out of it. And even now, after you beat the entire game, you actually have to fight the master trainers for every single Pokemon, and it's a one-on-one -on -one battle, so it's a very unique way for them to implement uh, their end game into the, into the game. Nice. So yeah, that's, that's my game that is not Destiny. Uh, we're going to move on and talk a little bit about Iron Banner. We have uh, some weapons that have been added. We have the Hero's Burden SMG with moving target and kill clip and adaptive frame. And we have Bite of the Fox sniper rifle with snapshot, opening shot, and aggressive frame. Yeah, again, added is a strong word, right? So, <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> we've, we've got new roles on those guns. Yeah. To be fair, the, the, the roll on Bite of the Fox looks good if you if you like... If you like I like Snapshot. Fox the Kinetic Sniper, yeah, it looks, it looks like, like that, could be, that could be some fun. Um, I dropped a decent Criminal's Dagger um, this week, uh, finally. We dropped my opening shot. It's it's okay. It's okay. It's, is that gun okay in the meta? I mean, I don't... They can't probably go against the, the the 180 hand cannons. Probably, I'm sure the one. Or, yeah, it's or, a 110, but it has. It's, in, it's interesting. Obviously, usually characteristics of the 110s is that they have quite high stability to make up for the fact that they're they're a high, uh, a lower rate of firing. But it's it's really it's a really it's a really weird weapon. I can't quite get a handle on it. Yeah. Um, but it's. Yeah, it's it's a good roll. It feels like it should perform well. I just. Yeah, none of the Iron Banner weapons are standouts, you know? We, we haven't got a Finala's Peril or a Harkon's Hatchet. Or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. These kind of these really, really Nervin's Mercy? Yeah, yeah, Nervin's Nervin's Mercy. Mercy. That was a yeah. really awesome pulse. Uh, uh, yeah. Yolder's Hammer. Yolder's Hammer. Yolder's Hammer. Yeah. That winter's lie. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. yeah, it just it, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like they've nailed the loot, and it doesn't feel like they've nailed the differentiation between Iron Banner and regular PvP mm -hmm. either. I just think I think you know, I think for the same for the same reason that caused them to to take trials away and have a look at it and bring it back when they're ready, you know, make. Maybe when Charles comes back, maybe retire Iron Banner for a few seasons and take back that to away. the drawing board. <laughs> See, I I think that the solution for this is actually very simple because they already have all of the guns from Year One in Iron Banner. Bring them back. 
bring them back to D2, make them feel a little bit different, make them, you know, feel a little special. But the guns that we had in Iron Banner in, in Destiny 1 were awesome. The guns and loot that we got in Iron Banner in they D2 the was kind of crappy. So if you take these guns from Destiny 1, you bring them into Destiny 2 Iron Banner, I think it's going to create a much greater incentive for people to play that. Maybe add some masterwork things for that too, where you have to pursue other quest lines to really get the maximum potential out of that gun. Imagine if we can farm for that perfect Nurman's Mercy in D2. I mean, that would be awesome. And who would not want to do that? Or Raphrodite's Spear. Raphrodite's Spear. Or Radagast Fury. Yeah. Um, and if they yeah. did that, I feel like it would be, you know, minimal effort on their part. And they would literally very quickly infuse Iron Banner to be something that people want to play. And you have greater incentives to play that activity. Because... I think Iron Banner, as an as a game mode, I think it's fun. I think that I do enjoy playing Iron Banner when it comes back. The other thing that I really want to see again is I want for power level advantage to matter. And actually, didn't they didn't they uh, add? Yeah, power it does again. Now? Now. It does. They power does. Okay. Yeah. I know they yeah. took it away for a little while, and I'm glad they brought it back. You know, so see, I like it. I like it, but. You know there there are there are a lot of people who feel very strongly that it shouldn't be shouldn't be the case, and I don't have a hugely strong view either way because you know, by the time Iron Banner rolls around, I'm usually max light. You know, but you, you don't find same. I don't find myself coming up against a full team of five eighties and absolutely slaying them with one shots to the head. And you know, what I mean, it's not it doesn't ever seem that significant. You know. Yeah, I would like to have them to, to incorporate more of the lore. Iron Banner, like possibly, like maybe run some like PVE missions, like for like Iron Banner, maybe yeah. some something like some some callbacks, possibly some things like that happened like during the Iron Lords, like we had to like go back or something, and we had to go like to Twilight Gap or something, or and you know the area up there, and you know things of that nature, and we get Here's to the question: How would you guys feel if the September expansion was? Uh, Iron Iron Lords related again. Maybe maybe another Seaver outbreak. We know that there was Seaver on Exodus Black. Maybe Seaver breaks out on Nessus, and there's a Seaver crisis on Nessus, and we have to do some missions for Saladin again. If it made sense to yeah, as long as they, have to revisit. As long as they did it appropriately, yeah. I think I think that could work really well. I agree. I I wouldn't mind it honestly because I always enjoyed Iron Banner and I enjoyed. Uh, the Rise of Iron expansion, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I think they can do some really interesting things with this one if they create an expansion for D2. I think there's a lot of potential yeah, well, there. They have a lot of real estate in D1 that they could repurpose yeah. and everything for D2. Yeah. Or, or imagine if at some point they brought back the Prison of Elders, but in a new spin. They bring back some awesome maps and they recreate them from D1 and maybe create some new maps for a new version of the Elders. I think that would be pretty cool. Or maybe don't even call it the Prison of Elders. Call it something else. Like an actual firefight? Yeah, like an actual like firefight. Actual? Maybe <laughs> maybe maybe they could stop using the language of horde mode or horde mode-like event every six months and releasing something that isn't a horde mode over and over again. Maybe we could actually just have you know a horde mode-like an endless wave 
moat. Yeah, like, like an actual fireplace, like, like they had in exactly. Halo Reach. Yeah, and, uh, the, the horde in uh, Gears of War. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they have sandboxes to use for this purpose. They have environments that are already built. Imagine if the entire uh, Earth was just taken by the uh, Vex or taken over by the Taken. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah repurposed locations in D1 to make for horde modes. Yeah. I'm down. That would be pretty cool. It's awesome. that they consistently have, right? Is is. It, it never feels like they get the use out of the content that they've spent the money on to, to develop. Agreed. You know? they, they... Like Blind World's a perfect example, right? It's been talked about to death, but, you know, you release Blind World, there's nothing to it, right? As soon as people are max light, why are you going into Blind World? Apart from for the weekly story ad- advance with, uh, with Mara. And you can just get that on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. Just exactly. watch a howdish video yeah. and, and see that. Or even look at the Dreaming City. I think that it, it's not really being used to its potential. Like, yes, you can do the the Queen's Bounties each week, but if you're max level, where's your incentive to, to do that? What, yeah, what... the only reason that I'm still going there every week is to do the Ascendant Challenge because I want the Ghost for Rivensbane. Mm. You know? yeah. Aside from that, there's, there's But no other than that, there's really it. nothing there, and I think they could really repurpose these environments and make them feel very special. The Dreaming City could be a true endgame destination where you come back and you play really difficult activities to get cool new drops. And every season, they can change these drops around and make new things for you to chase. And they yeah, unless to go they back do do that. something like that, I think we're going to get to the point in... March, April, May, when the Dreaming City starts to get really stale. And, you know, when, when Joker's Wild drops, we're going to have exactly the same thing that happened at the start of Black Armory, right, where everyone has to spend the first few days doing all the old powerful rewards that we've been doing since the start of Forsaken to get up to a high enough light to, to play the content. You know, that that is presumably going to happen again, right? So, you know, we, we have to get used to the idea that Although the annual pass is, is a steady drip feed of content, this is still Destiny 2 Forsaken as an entity, is, yeah. is a, a year-long thing, you know? So yeah, really interesting conversation, and I'm really curious to see what they do with Iron Banner and, and how they use the environments they built to give us more stuff to do, to give us greater incentives to keep playing the game as months progress. So uh, moving on, I do want to talk about um, some topics from the Destiny community, and then we'll quickly go over the weekly reset, and we'll wrap things up for the night. I know we're going over our limit quite a bit now. So to wrap things up, conversations from the Destiny community. I did pick out three topics that were um, trending on Reddit. Uh, The first one it talks about centering 99% of DLC around one game mode being a dangerous road to go down, and this player believes that the player base will suffer come March. Uh, he does state the following. Joker's Wild is a Gambit-centered DLC. Gambit, in my opinion, is boring, repetitive, and unfun unless you're in a full fire team of four, and even then it feels like a drag to play. I cannot stand playing it anymore, even to complete my milestones. I really hope Bungie has some other things to bring to the table as well. Maybe a couple new strikes, maybe some strike-specific loot and new Vanguard and Crucible armor. If Joker's Wild turns out to be only Gambit, 
I may be playing Anthem exclusively until Penumbra. So first off, I, I kind of have an issue with what this uh, user is saying because he's predicting what will happen in the next expansion without it even having dropped. I think that even Black Armory has not really been finished yet. We still have more things that will be dropped in the Black Armory expansion. We have at least a whole nother month potentially new content. We do have that last word quest, for example. So I don't know if the next expansion will be only Gambit. I think it's going to have more than that, honestly. Yes. Yeah, so thankfully, oh, if you, oh, sorry, man. So, thankfully, if you, if you, again, I was, I felt very much the same. Actually, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge Gambit guy. I, the, my main problem with Gambit is that I don't, I don't feel like it respects my time by comparison to almost every other activity in the game. I feel like if I have to play a thirty-plus minute match of three rounds and then I drop a blue you know set of arms at the end of it that's not that's not a good time investment for me mm -hmm. um and i was worried you know i was i was worried that gambit that the joker's wild was going to be mainly gambit focused and for people that don't like gambit you know you, you've you've effectively just got to wait until penumbra in that case right but it, it, what was really great to see actually on this post um cosmo commented uh, on this post and, and basically confirmed that no, Joker's Wild is not only Gambit, there will be lots of other things to do. Um, so that, yeah, that was that was a good validation for me. And I, 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 on a wider point, I've really been enjoying recently the way that, you know, for the last few months actually, the way the community managers have been interacting with us on the subreddit in particular. Um, I think Cosmo and DMG have got a really good model now for picking stuff out and being frank and honest with you know their communication with with the community and i think it really helps just to give you guys uh some insight on what cosmo said as a response to this post he stated the following i'm not going to reveal anything today but i will say that while the season of the drifter is themed around that shady character who introduced you to gambit he will be asking you to do more than just play gambit next season so good. I think that's yeah. I think that's that's good. Um I do hope that we get some kind of a story behind the drifter. That would be really cool for us to get maybe some heroic adventures, some new missions to do. That would be cool. I'm also I'm curious to see if they can pull off a version of Gambit that feels more like an endgame activity. Imagine Gambit, but kind of mixed with the Prison of Elders, where you have to, you know, you have to play longer. It's a, it's a more drawn-out process. However, in the end, the drops are also much, much better in respect to what you're getting. Yeah, they've talked about a new Gambit mode, right? There's a new Gambit mode coming with, with Joker's Wild, I think. Is that the language they've used? They yeah, did mention that, yes, new said. Gambit yeah. mode. So I wonder whether that's that's a more casual version of Gambit with you know kind of shorter rounds and all the rest of it like like the community's been been requesting in recent months or whether yeah, what what do they mean by that mode you know that could mean anything yeah well and um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with I know I know that they have a full they supposedly have a team dedicated to Gambit right to to, to balancing the Gambit sandbox and to 
developing Gambit as an idea within the franchise. So, it, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they develop it. I, I certainly haven't written it off. I just feel like in its current state, it, it just that I would just I would rather do almost anything else, you know. Yeah, they have some interesting storytelling that they could go, you know, yeah. they can do with uh, the Drifter because uh, they got some explaining to do. Why did he show up in the tower? Like, what is his purpose? Yeah, you know, the lore around is amazing. Exactly. Like, he's tied to Dredge and Yor and everything, too. Um, he he has this, like, big mass he carries behind him, like, filled a tank filled with, who knows, taken primevals, whatever, who knows what it is. Like, what, what's his deal? What's his story? Like, how is he... Does he have any ties to Sabathun? Like, what, what's, you know, what's his purpose? And can we yeah. trust him? And I'm excited to find all that stuff out. You know, I, as long as there's a, a, a strong enough story and, and sort of PvE element to, to joke as well, I, I think it'll be spot on, because it's, it's a great subject matter, right? As long as they don't only focus on the Gambit and double down on the Gambit, I think they'll you yeah, know, it, it, it has the potential to be really good. Yeah. Yeah, with the last word coming back, too, that also yeah. ties in with Thorn because of Dredge and Yor and Shin Malfur, because uh, there's, uh, sounds like there's rumors that Thorn will be coming back in Joker's Wild, and that makes sense and everything, too. Yeah, so, it's no coincidence yeah. that they're buffing Six Shooter Golden Gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, for one, would like to see them create some new Gambit maps. For us to play, yes. I think that would make yeah. that yes. spice things up and make it a little more interesting. Also, infuse Gambit with a crap ton of awesome content and awesome loot for us to chase. Maybe add extra quests that make you do interesting things to learn more about the Gambit origin and to learn about the Drifter. I think that would be a cool addition. Also, I'd like to see strikes come back. I'd like to see one or yeah. two strikes that are themed around uh, Gambit. That would be pretty cool. That would be great. Okay. To be honest, strikes in general need some love and have done since you know the launch yeah. of Forsaken. That... Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm confused as to why they completely abandoned strikes altogether, as if they weren't yeah. part of endgame content. Because if you think about it, strikes are part of nightfalls, right? And nightfalls are considered endgame activities. So for them to not have included any strikes in this uh, Black Armory DLC, I was really surprised by that, because I was really expecting them to release at least one or two strikes during this... No PvP uh, maps, either. Yeah, no PvP exactly. maps. And, and no new vendor weapons or... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was the biggest... Like, it was weird. Oh, it was, a big, it was, it was weird to basically... It felt, like, it felt like they released this annual pass drop, and it was like, yeah, we're getting some new... Black Armory content, but what they forgot to do was reset the season and, and you know <laughs> yeah. give us the kind of free seasonal update stuff that we've come to expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing I will say about the Black Armory is that going in to this DLC or whatever you call it, on day one it felt like nothing changed. It, it, it was very disappointing to go into the tower and it's like uh, everything's the same, what's new? trying to go on reddit to find out hey what's new in this expansion because i can't find anything and it shouldn't be that way when you go into a new season of destiny it should feel fresh we should feel excited about you know checking out everything new in the tower checking out all of the new items that we're able to collect in the game and and i think all all of that was just completely missing and i don't know if the forges alone make up for it i mean 
who knows what we're going to see in the post-Activision era. Like, this game could be, like, they, there could be some big, big changes with the game. So it's like the destiny we knew and everything could could change next year. Oh, and I, yeah, I would bet not would. I would not I would not doubt that it's it's going to happen. And yeah, so this brings us to the next topic, and this was something that one of the community managers had uh, asked on Twitter, and there is a post also on Reddit. I believe it was Cosmo who brought the question up what everybody thinks about Gambit and how it can be improved. He was asking for feedback on this activity. I think the reason why they were asking about it is because Gambit obviously will be a big part of the next expansion that we're going to get in the game in March with the new season. What can make Gambit a more fun experience for you? Or are you, do you guys love it? I think that some very good suggestions about Gambit have been made by community mem- members that play a lot more of it than me and understand it a lot more of it than me. I, I don't think I'm in the best place to, to, to kind of to kind of give a view, but I've heard some good ideas. You know, I like the idea of having uh, first to a hundred, uh, one round first to a first to a hundred, and then a, a beefy primeval and just have a one round game. I like that idea. Um, I like the idea of having like a quick play playlist and a competitive playlist. Um, and you know, separating them out with a, a kind of a faster-paced version of the game. There, it, the, it's just the three rounds thing for me. It's it's just the fact that almost every game goes to three rounds. It seems. Yeah, unless you're playing with a very coordinated group. Yeah. You you do end up going to three rounds quite often. And immediately the third round starts, and you're thinking, oh my god, this has taken a long time now. You know. Yeah, maybe if they add a shorter version of Gambit for people who want to play it casually so that can be part of the you know the casual playlist maybe that's can that would be the quick play and then they have competitive gambit which would allow you to get maybe some exclusive weapons like let's say what we have with um, luna's hell and not forgotten so you have more of an incentive to climb that rank um, than what we have now i also think giving us more variety in maps will make it more interesting and uh, also creating more bosses creating more unique right bosses more locations and like you said and like infusing maybe some strike um kind of uh, characteristics into gambit yeah. possibly Ooh, like, like having us move having us move forward as you know both teams moving forward killing enemies like have multiple portals possibly and things like that as you go along the path, um, possibly change it up a little bit. I kind of like that idea of incorporating Gambit into strikes, maybe doing it where you're competing with your friends to see who can speedrun a specific thing faster or reach a certain achievement. Yeah, and you can still invade when you get like a certain, like there's like molt stations along the way yeah. and everything. You know? And like, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, hey, that's a cool I idea. like that. I like that. And just give us overall more more awesome loot to chase because if you give us cool stuff to chase after, we'll do it. Yeah, this is a loot based game, and that's what we go for. That's why we play it. We play it for the loot and the shooting. Definitely, definitely. And and, and some story. So and finally, I want to bring up the last um, topic from the Reddit community. 
and uh, this member um, states the following. Hey Bungie, with Joker's Wild, can you go back to returning exotic quests being a secret rather than having full trailers spoiling the rewards? Yeah, they're getting worse at this pretty much all the time, it feels. It feels every time they prepare a new content drop, they reveal more of what we're getting in the trailer. And I think that's an Activision thing again. Also, yeah. you're getting people to try, enticing people to buy the content and everything. You know, you're throwing it right out in front of their face and everything. With Activision more out of the picture now and everything, I feel like this will this will subside, and I think more of the secrets will be found in game and not in the actual trailers. I I agree. I agree. Also, I I like the secrecy that existed in Destiny in the past. Take the Whisper mission, for example. It was perfect thing for them to introduce into the world. Nobody really knew what it was at first, so it's great when you can collectively Outbreak Prime gather. Too. Yeah, Outbreak Prime, perfect example as well. So yeah, I agree with that 100%. I don't want to see a trailer for every awesome item that I'm going to get in the game. I'd rather them keep that mystery and make me yeah. you know, discover things on my own more. So I completely agree with that uh, notion, 100%. Yeah, since Activision did the marketing and you know the things of that nature, like I, I think they have were a lot to do with that, and you know they helped them with those trailers and everything. I'm sure. Um, so. Definitely. Yeah. Final topic of the night: the weekly reset noteworthy that you guys want to bring up from the weekly reset for this week Lake of Shadows is one of the nightfalls yep. it is, go get yourself a malicious birthright Yes. I got one but it's not a good one, I need to go and play more to get a better one Yeah, mine, the best The best one I have is an, amb, uh, an average one, I won the ambitious assassin one that would be great yeah, ambitious assassin with um, proximity grenades yeah, I mean that would be ideal, I think mine's quick draw and moving target or something it's not great, like yeah, um, I something like that too. Quick draw, remote deck, quick... remote deck, quick draw, moving target. Maybe I yeah. like it a lot, but I, you know, I, there's a, there are better ones out there for sure. Yeah, I got quick draw and like auto loading holster and like concussion grenades, and I'm just like, no, nah, I need a better one. And then... <laughs> <laughs> also, do the insight terminus, insight terminus. That's for the sniper, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. I don't know what the sniper is called, but I think it's a sniper. Pretty sure oh, it's a sniper. It, uh, yeah, it's a no. Oh. Uh, let me tell you what it is. Um, Lake of Shadows, uh, Exodus Crash. Crash, and Inside Terminus. Are yeah, Inside Terminus. This week. Yeah, it's a sniper. I don't know what it's called though. I don't know the name of it. I'll tell you. Um, and uh, the other one, what was it? What was your street? A long goodbye. Inside Terminus. Oh, long goodbye. Yep. Crash. That's it. Nobody's playing Exodus Crash. Get that trash Exodus out of here. Exodus Crash, Impact. I believe, is an exotic sparrow it's, or an exotic it's called, ship. It's called Impact Velocity. It's a it's a vehicle. It's an exotic vehicle. It should, be, it should be called Exodus. It should be called Exodus Trash. <laughs> I I do I do still instinctually leave that strike as soon as I spawn into it, even though. Oh, oh yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. And then. Uh-huh. And we have uh, Insight Terminus. A long goodbye. Yep, that's long the goodbye. Season. Yeah, that's actually something I'd be interested in grinding out for this week, because I hear it's a pretty yeah. decent sniper. <clears throat> yeah, 
And I'm, I'm going for that malicious because I want to go in PvP and uh, oh yeah. And wreck it. <laughs> Last week I was playing against this guy in the comp. Oh my god, he was using malicious birthright, and what's that other exotic grenade launcher? Fine. Fine. Fighting lion, yeah. and I want to say That's he was using mountain top. Oh, he was. Oh, he yeah. was using he was a triple using... grenade launcher, dude. He had fifty kills in that match. It was absolutely okay. Insane. So yeah, he was using mountain top, fighting lion, and probably play of the game. He was probably right, like, yeah. 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 He was using triple grenades. Yeah. Yeah, I've been running that in quick play to try and rack up the calculate trajectory medals for that triumph. Yeah, that yeah. was that was pretty That's interesting. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to get malicious because, you know, getting Mountain Top, you kind of need malicious because yeah. you get all those domain kills. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, guys, we had a really awesome show this week. And thank you so much for being here on the show. I had an awesome time chatting about the many topics in Destiny. Next week, we will be talking about the Iron Banner lore. Uh, we just didn't really have time to do it this week with all the other content that we had to talk about. But first off, thank you all for being here today, and thank you for checking out the show. We are live every Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv forward slash The Destiny Show. You can also check us out on the web at www.destinyshow.com, and we are on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash The Destiny Show. And gentlemen, where can everyone learn about you guys? Uh, Shadow Price? Uh, you, you can follow me on Twitter um, at ShadowPrice79, and you can also uh, check me out on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash I am Shadow Price. Awesome. And Anthrax, where can everybody learn more about you? Uh, I like to keep a, a fairly low profile on the internet in the main. Uh, you guys can find me, uh, Anthrax455. My, my Reddit username is Anthrax455, and so is my Xbox gamertag. So if anyone needs help with a raid or anything, give me a shout. Awesome, awesome. And uh, thank you very much for joining us this week on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you, and I hope you come back sometime soon and uh, join us for Thanks, some man. more awesome discussions on Destiny. Yeah, man, thanks for coming on. No problem, guys. Definitely. And everyone, thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode of the Destiny Show podcast. We will be back next week for more conversations about all things Destiny. And uh, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time. wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are dragon breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening, and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.